everybody, and welcome to the Words Over Whiskey podcast episode. Words Over Whiskey! Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Is that our new little jingle? <laughs> Words Over Whiskey! Not quite our vibe, but yeah. No. Um, a slightly delayed episode, as uh, we didn't release anything throughout December. Cause or November. Uh, Did we do one in November? The, the episode we did in November, I didn't release till December because because ah. that's why we didn't do a December episode was because we we're both very busy with we were work. Very very busy, yes. Um, Much sad. Yes, our, our respective jobs keep us busy during the uh, winter months. But now that's over, and we can afford whiskey. Yes, yes, we have our paychecks from December. At least I do. And yes, we have been able to afford whiskey, and we have the free time. To bring you a new episode. So our you're welcome. 2022 wrap up episode is here. Much as we do at the end of each year, we do a little wrap up of what we've been reading, some of our highlights from the year, a few of our favourite books, shows, and whatever the else whiskies, of course, that we want to share. And um, yeah, so yes, after a little delay, we are back after a couple of months. Um, yes. We're in 2023. And we're very happy to be back, and we are very scarily in 2023. Yes, uh, another year is here, and uh, we're still here, fortunately, which I'm much relieved about. Yes, I'm glad. I, <laughs> yes, I'm glad you're still here too. I'm glad I'm here as well. Well, you have an interesting little lineup for us, Tom, with the whiskies, where the whiskies are concerned, as you are providing. The whiskey for this. It's episode. my turn to provide the whiskey, and I—I I think I've excelled myself today. I've brought a selection of six miniatures from the Lost Distillery Company, who produce whiskies modelled on the Scots distilleries that have closed over the years, I believe, or at least are not producing whiskies anymore. So, without further ado, so we start on the first of yes. our selection, Henry. Yep. Which was on this end, I believe. Yes, from going from the left to the right. Uh, my left or your left or their left our left <laughs> they're, they're not seeing any of this so. okay I, I will need your help to provide uh, to help me pronounce this Ocnag even you hesitated yeah Ocnagi 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 that is our first one which is from if I consult my handy map pretty much slap bang in the middle there wouldn't you say the Highlands. The Highlands, I think. Yeah, so ju- just about in the Highlands, but about slap bang in the middle of Scotland, pretty much. Yeah, just sort of just over the border of the Highlands and Lowlands. Oh, yeah. And then it's slightly to the east as well. Yep. So, yeah. It's be quite interesting. To the bottle. Okay, so the actual distillery opened in 1812 and closed um, just under 100 years later in 1911. Uh, taste. There are some tasting notes, but we'll discuss those in a second. Without further ado, would you like some? Yes, please. Right. Well, Tom, here is to our first podcast dram. Our first whiskey of first dram, in fact, of twenty twenty three. Okay, on the podcast because on the podcast, I, yeah, yeah. it hasn't exactly been a dry January. No. Yeah. Cheers. Mm. Caramel or vanilla? I'm getting vanilla. You getting vanilla? Yep. I'm getting vanilla. I'm getting vanilla. That's all the help on the tasting. Oh, I had the tasting notes. Floral. Yeah. This reminds me of... Um, We're testing our noses, by the way. Slightly elderflower. Interesting. Interesting. Or at least that's... I don't know. That's Ooh. what I'm left out to me. Oh, there's an intro... Oh, I'd be very surprised if you get this one. I'm just reading the tasting notes. 
there's one thing in the tasting notes. You can, you're pretty much spot on so far. There's one thing in the tasting notes. I'd be very surprised if you get it. Go on then. What's the one I'm not going to get? Okay, so the tasting notes are floral, which mm -hmm. you got, honeyed, which I got in my defense, vanilla-y, I guess, um, dried fruits, and pepper. Pepper. I did not think you'd get pepper. I couldn't smell any pepper. No. Neither of us said dried fruits, though. No, that's true. The proof's in the pudding, as they say. Yep. Let's try it. Let's try it. You're nodding your head. I like it. I like it. That's very light. Yes. Very approachable. Definitely get that honey. Yeah, sweetness. Honey honey and floral, I think, definitely comes out on the palate. Yeah. I'm still not getting that pepper. I'm not all dried fruits. No. Yeah, I'd say for me, the honey and the um, floralness are the two main takeaways from that. That's very light and really mm. nice and approachable. Because they're all they're all the same percentage. They're all fifty. Uh, no, sorry, forty three percent. So, mm, that's nice. That is very nice. If you're going to have like a lot of different whiskies over the course of an evening, like if you're going to a tasting or you've got some friends around, you're going to try all your bottles. Start, this is a good one to start on. I think we. I think um, you'll, you'll just, you'll, the way you've arranged these for our order to try them, this is the best one to start on because it is really light. Like this flavor is not going to Over, overpower the palate. It's not going to overpower the palate. It's not going to conflict with a later flavor. Mm. I think I, I ordered them by suggestion of the box that you have there. Oh, I thought it was your no, your, your no, expertise. Was, I was following the uh, guidance of going from. My, my disappointment is immeasurable. My day is ruined. Oh dear, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, to uh, brighten your spirits. Oh, 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 have you got some whiskey trivia for me? Oh, do I have some whiskey trivia? I have something even better. Uh-oh. It's a whiskey a, quiz. I have a whiskey trivia quiz. Oh! Full of the questions. Oh, from last year. I didn't know I see this coming. Yeah. I think last year I said I was going to hire an assistant to, to go through all of these. I was listening back to the previous episodes to gather all the questions, and that's exactly what you said. <laughs> I forgot to do that. Oh, well, one of my poor assistants at work is going to have some extracurricular homework. Yes. So I thought we'll, we'll, we'll do the um, we'll do all of the... We're going to change it up again. We're going to go through all of the questions at oh the beginning. And do I have to try and guess them again? Yep. I mean, get them again. I mean, answer them again. Yes, and then we are. Then we'll move on to our books and everything, and top whiskies as we usually do. So fantastic. Okay, right. Tom. Yes, lay it on me. Question one. Oh, you're looking very. You, you look like you're in the mastermind chair, except it's blue. It's a blue. <laughs> I'm wearing blue motif. I've got jeans and a blue hoodie. I'm no, I meant your chair. Oh, the chair. The chair is blue. It's an old chair, though. All right, go, go, go. Right. Question one. How many varieties of barley are there in the world? I'm going to give you a little thing. I'm going to give you to the nearest 10,000. Oh, fantastic. How many varieties of barley are there in the world? To the nearest 10,000? Yeah. 10,000? No. Oh. I'll give you three guesses. <laughs> okay, 20,000. No. <laughs> what? There's more than 20,000 varieties of barley? If, you, if you'd studied and done your homework, you'd know this. Yes, but I... If you're going to, oh, I want to get into making whiskey or beer or something that uses barley. Oh, what barley shall I use? Oh, I'm going to choose from 20,000. That's more than that. Oh, <laughs> um, oh 35. No, no, no. I'm not falling for that. Um, am I guessing way too low? A little bit, yeah. Way too low. Yeah. 150,000. You're halfway there. What? There's three, 
What? 300,000, apparently, varieties what? of barley in the world. However, only a few are used in malt whiskey production. Uh, sort of a cheaty question there. Yes, but this is a question that I have. Uh, a bit before. of trivia I have. There's so over 300,000 different kinds of barley. Yep. Someone's actually gone and counted those. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, question two. Who was the only American founding father to commercially operate a distillery? Well, so say it again. Who was the only American founding father to commercially operate a distillery? I think I guessed this one. I got it right last time. Was it Washington? Yes. Yes! George Washington. I knew it. I, re- I realised listening back to that episode, I never did go and look up what a distillery it was. So, uh, oh, no. I, I completely forgot to do that. So... Yeah, that's on me. Okay. Question three. Oh, crap. During the Victorian times, mm. distillery workers were allowed to stop and have a dram when signalled by what? Oh, I feel like I know this one. So there's, there's like a signal and they were allowed to stop and have a dram? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I think something like a bell would be way too obvious. Everyone's going to guess a bell. Look at me like that with <laughs> evil little grin. <laughs> no, fuck it. Bell. Your instinct was correct. It oh, was a bell. It was a bell. Of course it was a bell. Cool. Two out of three. You're doing pretty well. Out of how many? Ten. Ten? Yeah. I think we did about no, did about seven or eight episodes last year. Okay. 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 So, um, question four. Okay. Right what next. does STR stand for in whiskey? STR. Your original answer to this was very funny, but uh, very incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same thought. <laughs> what prompted me to make that joke? I have the same thought now. <laughs> standard trade regulations. Funnily enough, you said standard last time. Okay, st- okay standard trade regulations. That, that, I think, is a very good educated guess. But no, it is shaved, toasted, recharred. Yes, because I was going to guess that. That's a process that they use for the barrels. I remember, yes, I'm guessing, yes. So two out of four. Fifty mm. percent is quite good. Question five: How much does peat grow? How much does peat regrow each year? I remember this as being shockingly low. Was it like a few millimeters or something stupid like that? Do you want me to guess exactly? Take take a guess. Um, three millimeters. Close one millimeter. Oh, come on, give me that one. I'll give you half a point for that. No, give me that one. I'm I'm literally two millimeters off. I'm I'm giving you half a point. You gave me the body one to the nearest ten thousand. Yes, but you won't give me this to the nearest millimeter. I'll give you half a point for that because you 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 remembered it well. You were like it was shockingly low, so I'm giving you half a point. So two and a half out of five. Question six. Uh, Last year, a single cask of 1975 Ardbeg was sold for what amount? Million. I will give you to the close. <laughs> I will give you to the closest million. Give you three guesses. I'll give you three guesses from now. Now th- this is this is to prove whether you listen back to the podcast because this was on an episode where you weren't on. This is when I was in. in oh no, I wasn't listening. So I would have heard it then. Yeah. Wait, wait. Why are you quizzing me on what I wasn't actually? Because answered? it's whiskey trivia. You should you should be studying up. Oh, I have no idea. Okay, ten million. Two more guesses. Fifteen million. One more guess. Uh, can you at least say if I'm going if I'm gone too high or I'm still going too low? You're close. I'm close. I'm close. Nearest million, you say. How close? 
I'm just saying close. No, 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 um, Okay, 20 million. 20 million. You were closest with 15 million, <sighs> so I'll give you that point. Oh, yes! It was 16 million. Oh, okay. For a, single, okay. For a one cask of 1975 Ardbeg. 15 million? 16 million. 16 million. Oh, my God. For a single cask. Imagine, right, your like, annoying teenage son comes home with his friends after a night drinking. They're like, well, we want to keep drinking. Oh, my dad's got a bottle of whiskey. Let's just have some of that. And they opened this 15, 16 million bottle of whiskey. No, not a bottle. It's a cask. Oh, it's a keg. Cask. Okay. But, uh, yes, the bottles from that cask will be very, very pricey. Oh, so three and a half out of six. Oh, really? Question That's seven. That's 50%. What was the reason behind the knicker from the barrel bottles being square-shaped? It Was it some kind of distinctive thing? Like how Glenn Fiddich is like triangly or and um, Johnny Walker is this very distinctive shape. No. Right, there was a there was a reason. There was it. a reason, there was a reason. There was a really cool well, it reason. It wasn't like symbolic. It wasn't anything. symbolic, okay, it was... okay. Um it was a, it was a practical reason. Yeah. Oh, I know. They delib- they've deliberately made it difficult to pour so you remember it. Yeah. Well, not so you remember it, so that wait, they made it deliberately difficult to pour. So when you're pouring more out, you well, when you're pouring, you end up pouring more out, so you get through it quicker. Ah! Uh, I'll give you another half point for that. Okay, okay, four points. Okay. Four out of seven. Okay, well, well over fifty percent now. It's getting better. It's getting better. Eight. Now we're getting on to the. Th- these are the ones you should know because these are some of the ones you provided me. Oh really? Yeah, these are some of the whiskey trivia you provided. Oh fuck! Which Japanese distillery produced and named its own strain of yeast? Sundry. Yes. Yes. Well done. That was a cool. That was a cool fact. Can we just appreciate that for a second? I I could not get round to trying to learn how to pronounce. <laughs> no, me neither. Did I give it a try in the episode? You did give it a try. In the <laughs> did episode. I brutally brutalize I, it? I, you, you have no you, idea. You gave it a good stab. I think. <laughs> right. So uh, five. That's five out of eight. Uh, question nine. Kentucky is the home to more barrels of maturing bourbon than what? Oh, I know this. Is it people? Yep. Yes. I also know this. I, I told you this. <laughs> I taught you that. It's more it's more about, more to mature in barrels than people. Yep. Six out of nine. Well done. Oh, God. Wow. Final question. Question 10. Approximately how many maturing casks of whiskey are in Scotland per resident of Scotland? Oh, is it something like 10 or 20? Is it more? Less. It's less. I'll give you another two guesses. Uh, so how many casks of mature whiskey are there in Scotland per person? Per person in Scotland. It's less than 10. I'm not giving that away. You're not giving me a hint. Oh, I want to say... Um, I don't think it's five or less. It was a big number. I remember it being a big number. Um, uh, uh, fuck. Uh, nine. No. Four casks. Oh, really? <laughs> it's not as impressive. Let myself down. Come on, better fact next time, Tom. So that, that what was that? That was seven out of ten. That's seventy percent. I'm quite happy yeah. with that. That's well, quite no, good. I, we, I, like I think that that is the best you have done so far. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty happy with that. That's quite good. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Well done. Hmm. And that was our. So those were all those questions were drawn from previous episodes from 2022. So unfortunately, I don't have a. Uh, a bit of whiskey trivia to start the year off with but we'll save that for the 
I'm going to get the hardest risky facts that you're not going to know just so that you see how it feels Maybe that's something different we do this year. You do all the whiskey trivia. I do the whiskey trivia. And then I have to do the... And you do the quiz next year. And then I do the quiz next year. Oh, the criminal mastermind in me is loving this. Do you want to do that? Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. I will do this. Remind me next month. Remind me next month. We will do this. All right, we are going to... Challenge accepted. Where's my hand? Shake. Shake. Firm handshake. Firm handshake. (laughs) Well done, Tom. You did did a lot better than I thought you were going to do, so... Mm, Bit of a backhanded compliment, but okay. Well, given the previous couple of years... Yes, my track record is not exactly golden. No. Is it almost time for the next whiskey yet? Almost. I'm still enjoying this one, but... I like it, but it's quite light. Next one? Mm Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So our next one is from Straffordin. Straffordin, Straffordin. Which... Oh... It opened in 1829 and was also just over, under 100 years before it closed in 1926. It's a bit of a coincidence. And yeah, this one came from Stratford then. This one, again, it's actually quite near Okanagi, whatever that one's called. It's on the other side, but on the other side of the border, also in the east, into the lowlands. So it's quite nearby, but on the other side of the lowland highland border. And yeah, in the east. So... Yeah, this is like it's not really cousin, but neighbour, if you like. Um, so, yeah. Let us... Oh, I've just had a quick read of the tasting notes, and they are quite different. Mm. So, this will be very interesting. All right, let's open this up. Give us your bottle, Henry. Glass. <laughs> oh, instantly, you can see it's much darker. Yeah, the other one was like a pale straw. It was, wasn't it? This is more of like a golden. I like these amber golden ones. Oh, I'll keep that here so I can see the tasting notes. Right, smell it. No, it's cheating. Yeah, like... It's almost like dark... Yeah, like a darker honey. Like treacly kind of thing? Treacly, darker honey. A bit nutty, I'd say. Yeah. I'd still say there's some fruit Honey, in there. Honeycomb? Honeycomb. Yeah, probably a touch of fruit as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad I got that. Listen, just please, please be happy for me. <laughs> right, shall we? Let's try this one. Yeah. We'll look at the tasting notes. Immediately, you get a hit by a bit more flavour than the last one. Still not much. Still I'd, very I'd say light. the other one still had... A, I would say the other one was still flavourful. It's just yes. different from this. Yeah. This one I'm getting that sort of dried fruit. Touch honey. Yeah, sort of honeycomb-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Dried fruit, honeycomb. Go on then. You're good. I hate yourself. <laughs> so the tasting notes are as follows. Malty. Mm-hmm. Orange peel. Mm-hmm. Chocolate. That was that's the sweet, the dark, sugary sweetness that we're getting, and peat. Peat. That's what it says. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I'm not so sure of some of these tasting notes on these <laughs> bottles. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Flavor. Flavor is subjective. Flavor is subjective. Let's eat some more orange peels so I know what it is. Like. Yeah. 
Well, now you've said that, I kind of feel like I'm picking orange peel up at the end, but maybe that's power of suggestion. But Power of suggestion. Whatever, it's still, it's, it's nice, it's tasty. It's good, it's good, it's a good one. Yeah. So, what do you fancy starting with? Do you fancy starting with our top whiskies from last year that we tried? So we could, yeah, so we could go into whiskey theme for now. Whiskey theme? Otherwise, when or, you do the timestamps later, it'd be whiskey this, books that, whiskey this, something else that. Or should we start with our honourable mentions for books? Oh, and then do and the then more do whiskey. Our whiskey. Yes, and that's then fair. To our top, top books. Good idea. Good idea. Who wants to go break first? Break it up a bit. Break it up a bit. Who wants to go first? Um, so I think you said you had a few more honourable mentions than me. I believe I did. So... Do you want to do a few of yours? Yeah. I'll do mine, and then you finish up with the rest of yours, and then we'll swap to whiskey. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. One of my other mentions was Nevernight by Jay Kristoff, which only didn't get into my top five, because there's a different book by Jay Kristoff in the top five. Uh, I think it was very unfair to all the other amazing <laughs> authors I read last year to have two books by him in there, even though this one was very good. Um, it's a fantasy book about, um, imagine Harry Potter, Hogwarts. He goes to school and learns magic. But instead of learning magic, he learns how to kill people. <laughs> yeah, so this is sort of like, if anyone's played an Elder Scrolls game and done the Dark Brotherhood storyline, it's a bit like that. Someone goes to become this supernatural assassin in it's this like, fantasy um, world. Did you ever read The Hive? I think they were Hive, that. yes, I, I did. Yeah, yeah. It's, a bit, it's a bit like that, but less sci-fi, gadgety kind of thing, and much more, more magic. magic. and murder. <laughs> Uh, uh, yes, there's quite a lot. There's a lot of murder. There's a lot of murdering going on. Um, but in this world, it's quite unique. The day and night cycle is different. So, like, night can last for months. And they, for so long, actually, like, twi- like, dusk, like, early night, full night, where it's completely black, and then early night, um, it, it lasts for ages. I, I can't quite remember. It's been nearly a year since I read the book. I can't quite remember. But it's got a unique day and night cycle in, on this planet. It must be, like, really deficient in vitamin D. Well, they are all very pale. Um, so there's certain times of year where the sun never shines, which is because these assassins have shadow magic. It's really a good time to be an assassin. So that's why the book's called Nevernight, because that time of year is called... Well, there's a time of year that's called Nevernight, because then there's another time of year, but there's... Nevernight. It's just I day. can't quite remember. It wasn't a major it's part called, of the story. Is it called All Day? Well... Anyway, <laughs> I really enjoyed the book because it read like an action movie. I, it was structured a bit like an action movie in terms of plot, and I'm a big fan for that. So although there were like some complex themes and a lot of character development and emotion, there were also some really amazing action scenes. Like, I, I, I don't want to get spoilers because I want people to read them, but some, there were some of the action sequences, especially in the second half of the book, were phenomenal. Absolutely amazing. The other book by J. Christopher read this year was just better. But this one was fantastic, and so that's the only reason it wasn't in my top five. And then uh, number two and three of my honorable mentions were both by the same author, which is why they've been put together. Because again, I don't think it was fair to have multiple um, others in the list. And also, these books didn't get into my top five, because it's also a book by that author in my top <laughs> five. These books were Never Die and Pawn's Gambit by Rob J. Hayes. And they are both in the Mortal Techniques series, which are those books I've kept mentioning on the podcast and to you, Henry, that have these amazing covers and are set in this fantasy world heavily inspired by Asian mythology from various places, especially China and Japan. Yeah, it's a real shame that 
they're all on Kindle rather than like, you can get physical copies, but they're printed to order, so they're more expensive. Although I, 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 I haven't checked at the moment if they've been picked up by a publisher, and they obviously may may have been, or if they were picked up by a publisher to begin with, and I was just wrong. Um, you probably you can probably get hardcover copies. Hmm. Um, so I'll send you a link if I find one. Nice. But these books were absolutely amazing. You know how you sometimes read a book. And even though it's been a year, you can still remember everything scene by scene. Because it was just really well written and was just really memorable. These books were like so that. Certain books have like certain really memorable moments. Yeah, and, the, and there's some books that are just so good that, that the whole thing is like one long memorable moment. And these books were like that. These are the sorts of books that you look forward to getting home from work because you get to read these books. Nice. And um, yeah, I read twice as many books, I'm proud to say, last year as I did the year before. And it's partly because, and that all started because when I read these books. Interesting. So I read these books and I was like, God, no, I just remembered. I really love reading. And then I just went on to read 10 more books that month for something silly. Like, that's all I did with my free time. I said, really get a life. <laughs> but if I wasn't going to get to life, I'd read more books by Bob J. Hayes. <laughs> um, so those are my top three honorable mentions. There's two more. Um, but if Henry, okay, you want to talk to about it. yours. It's interesting you said you read more books than you did the previous year. Because in my case, it's actually the reverse. I actually ended up, I because I, I, like yourself, I keep mm-hmm. a book journal. Yeah. Where I can keep track of like how many books I've read, when I started, when I finished, how long mm-hmm. each book was. And then just I write like some comments about them or I jot down any particular pages or quotes that I found interesting. You're a bit more organised than me, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But um, I, I think I ended up reading like six or seven less books compared to the previous year. But of course... But then you started a new job that was quite full on. Yes. So, yes, I have to remind myself that there's quite a lot of changes gone. We're, we're no longer in like lockdown yep. or COVID yep. where I had a lot more free time. I have, yeah, I've, I've progressed from working part-time to full-time now. So yep. I have a bit less time to read. Granted, I do commute to work, but... Even so. In a way, I, I sometimes find it's difficult to focus on something when you're in a public place. They've got to focus on something like reading. Yeah, I, I especially I, if the public place is moving like a train. Yes, like I quite because I listen to a lot of podcasts as well. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I don't feel like focusing on reading. I'm going to listen to a podcast. or I'm going to listen to some music. So I think yeah. podcasts would be really good for a train. It's really good to listen to a podcast on the train. Hint, hint, people listening. Um, <laughs> Because like you can keep an eye on your surroundings and the people around you on a busy commuter train, and you can also listen to an audio book or listen to a podcast like Words Over Whiskey, and still be entertained. Good plug, I appreciate. <laughs> but, I mean, people are already listening, so it's the worst place to plug. Like, listen to our podcast; you already are. But <laughs> listen to more episodes. If you haven't listened to the other, well, how long is our library now? If every episode is an well, hour and twenty it, minutes, this episode's th- episode thirty-one. Episode thirty-one. There's every episode about an hour long. There's 30 hours. You could, you could spend all day, like a full day without sleep, just listening to us talk. If you really want something. If I need to talk to somebody, I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so yeah, despite uh, reading slightly less books, uh, still, I still have my uh, honourable mentions. Fantastic. Let's hear them. So, similar to yourself, there's one of these authors who... Although I considered putting them in my top five, they already have a that's, book that's in my top five. Yeah, yeah. So that would be Half a King by Joe Abercrombie. Yes! That is a good book. That was a really, really, really good book. And it's amazing because it's his young adult series. Yeah. But yet it's still very quintessentially Joe Abercrombie. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's still got his distinctive voice. His distinctive writing style, his distinctive voice, as you'd say. 
Um, it's just very much him. It has his his DNA as a writer running through it. Yeah. And it's still darker and grittier. Than most uh, young adult fantasy. Well, actually, I say that. There's lots of dark and gritty young adult fantasy that I think about it. All those it, dystopian fictions that came it's, out. It is slightly toned down from his... Adult stuff. Adult series. Yeah, I get that. But it is still... It was still really entertaining. It had some mm. really... So it had some excellent characters, some really good plot twists. Yeah. And set up well for another one, which I'm doubtless I will probably read at some point during this year. So yes, it's kind of one of the only reasons it didn't make it into my top five was because he is already featured there. Oh, I think I so, know yes. what that's going to so, be. So yeah. my next one was Death to the Emperor by Simon Scarrow. Ah, okay. You're one of your favourite authors. One of my, yes, one of my favourite authors, because this is, I think it's book 22. No! In this long-running Roman series. And bloody hell! Yeah, I kind of I had to feature it because I was like, I was like, the thing with my books this year, I, I loved a lot of them, but I was I was really a lot of them. I was like, this could go in my honorable mentions or it could go in my top five, and I was kind of I was I was it was quite a struggle to get some to define down some of my books. Like there were a few books this year or last year rather that I didn't. There were a couple which were discounted because I didn't love them or I didn't kind of click with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there were others where I was like, really loved this, really enjoyed it, really good. A lot of them, it's like really good, like, uh, fiction, storybooks. And it's like, quite a few of them. I was like, oh, how do I, how, where does this go? Does it go in my, does it go in my honourable mentions? Does it go in my top five? And like some of them I had just, otherwise my honourable mentions would have been far too long. But I kind of felt like I had to include this because to have kept my attention for 22 books and still it be... I think I finished this book in about the space of a week. Okay, okay. And it's really, it's interesting. It's, because it's, um, followed these characters for years now, and it's literally years in their life, in these characters' lifetimes as well. I could imagine. It's gone from, like, their first, um, to follow two Roman army soldiers during the time of the Roman Empire. Very different army soldiers as well, I might yeah. point out. Yeah, this one, it, it, it's sort of at the beginning of the Bodicea uprising. Okay, okay. And it's it was just like, oh, this is, oh, this is how it ties into history and everything and how the characters kind of interact with these historic characters. But it's also the way how it's going to... You don't know potentially what's going to happen to some of the characters in the future. It sets up stuff like, will some of my favourite characters make it through? And I would probably were, imagine after twenty-two books, you're probably feeling pretty confident. No, but that's, but that's the thing. That this this <laughs> one had a few curveballs in it where I was like, "Oh, I did not see that happening to such and such character." And it's like, "Oh, okay, these are very different events to what I was expecting to happen." And so it it was a really good. And again, twenty-two books for a series. I think I started to re- maintain it for that long is yeah. insane. I think I started reading these books when I was fourteen, so I've been reading them for over a decade now. Oh shit! So yeah, uh, so that, that's why I had to make it into my honourable mentions. And the final one was Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss, mm-hmm. which is a non-fiction, but it's. It had to make it into my honourable mentions because the way he structures this book is he interviewed you know, Tim Ferriss's podcaster investor. Yep. Um, but he's interviewed so many amazing people. His podcast is incredible. I listen 
to it regularly. But this one's interesting because he's distilled some of those key questions um, down in his book. And I had to include it because one of the questions he asked people were like, recommend your top three uh, book that's changed your life or your top three books. And so some of the books that I will probably feature next year have come from recommendations from this from very book. book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's interviewed some amazing people. Really interesting. It's one of those books I'll probably keep diving back into for some of the useful and insightful knowledge that it contains. So yes, those are my honourable mentions. I will pass the buck back to you, Tom. I've got two more honourable mentions to talk about. And um, these are proper honourable mentions, not just ones that didn't make it into the top five because they were already got entries in there from their same author. So these ones... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to suggest that your words were yeah, proper yeah, entries. I just realised why you gave me that look. <laughs> yeah, these are real honourable mentions, Henry. No, I meant in comparison the, the, to my ones, not half, your the ones. The first half of that, I was I was giving you a suspect look, and then as you began to get, I was like, oh, he means his book. But yeah, I, not I, yours. I realised you caught my look. <laughs> sorry, my self-centred this came through there. No, I wasn't having the dig at you, Henry. Although non-fiction, really. Okay, anyway... <laughs> Okay, so um, the first one is an honourable mention because it was the weirdest book I read read last year by a long mile. And that's actually saying something. Um, the only book that could have beaten it is already in the top five. So maybe I'm just being a hypocritical there. Anyway, so this is The Man with the Golden Talk by Simon Green. This was the weirdest book I read last year. It's about a um, character very similar to James Bond, except he, has, except he has magical powers. And rather than dealing with whatever James Bond deals with, he's dealing with supernatural threats. And it was very, very tongue-in-cheek. And it was very, very enjoyable. It was very well written. I remember, remember me talking when we about were this. doing this episode and you were telling me some of the other titles and it was very much... This is just like a magical <laughs> fantasy spin on James Bond. That's titles. exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And it was a very weird book. It had everything from carnivorous cars to UFOs to gangsters in one fight scene. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very well done, I might also point out. So that make all of that weirdness work and have an entertaining fight scene. So yeah, really enjoyed it. Definitely the weirdest book I've read. And my final honorable mention, number five, is The Ogres by Adrian Tchaikovsky, because that was the best novella I read last year. And um, The Ogres is a novella. It's about this young man who grows up in this isolated village in a world dominated by ogres. And the village has to do whatever their landlord says. Because the landlord is an ogre. They can eat you. This must become stronger. And uh, this book is about this young man's not happy with that and what he does about it. And there's loads of really good, really interesting twists. And it was written in a very unique way. Almost one of the few things I've read secondhand. It's a secondhand. Sort of like saying, you do this. You do that. And the reason for that becomes clear at the end of the novella, which is was really well done. A really good twist. And I really enjoyed it. So those are my honourable mentions. Nice. So shall we uh, swap on to or finish up our current whiskey and move Mm -hmm. on to the next one? And then we will discuss our top whiskeys from last year. Exactly. Oh, sorry. Just finish that one quick, quick, quickly. Okay. So our next whiskey is Tarrymore. Tarrymore? Tarrymore. Which is... Sounds a bit like Tullamore. Uh, just a bit like Tullamore. Is this going to be the Scottish uh, equivalent of Tullamore? I don't think so. <laughs> so this one opened... This is a much young, much shorter-lived 
distillery. It opened in 1989. Sorry, 1898. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's very different year. Oh, 18- already feeling those effects. <laughs> already feeling those effects. 1898 and closed in only 1931. So much younger distillery by a considerable margin. And it comes from Tarrymore. Oh, it's much further north. It's actually in Speyside. Yeah, nice. So this is a Speyside whiskey. Much further north than Orknagi and Straffenden. Right up on that northeastern coast there. So yeah. Crack it open and give it a try. Exactly. Right, give us your glass. This yeah. would be, again, a completely different taste. It's still the same alcohol content. I think they all are. Yeah. I'm getting dried raisins, fruit cake. Interesting. It's I think it looks like um, marzipan. Ooh. Almond. Definitely getting sweetness. <laughs> I'm getting sweetness. Let me can tell you the exact kind of sweetness. I'm just getting this kind of sweet. It is sweet. It is smooth. It is there smoky. is sugar in this. There is sugar in this. Well, there isn't because it's whiskey. Uh, I like that. You like the smell? Right. You ready to give it a try? Like uh, demerara sugar or, um, yep, like burnt. Oh, yeah, burnt like. Brown sugar. Toffee. Like, um. Fudge. What's, the, what's that dessert where they burn the um, brown sugar? Creme brulee. Creme brulee. Creme brulee. Oh, creme brulee. Love creme brulee. Right, 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 come on. Cheers. Again, very smooth and light. Kind of like. Yeah, not that sort of like light floraliness from the first one, but more no. a sort of. Um, a richer version like, of the yeah, second richer, one? Yeah, richer, deeper, yes, deeper, richer, a bit more sort of intense. Mm-hmm. Intenseness, a bit of something with a like rich flavour in parts. Go on then, give us the tasting notes. Tasting notes, this would be very interesting. See how close we were, or how far off we were. Peach. Okay. Vanilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almonds, which you did get, hey. you did get almonds, and cream. Mm-hmm. I guess I could get the cream. Yeah. I'm not sure about the peach. Yeah, I'm not getting the You said fruit, though, didn't you? I said, like, dried fruit. Oh. I, I said dried fruit. Um, yeah, hey, I yeah, it smells I, too I fresh like, for like, dried like fruit. the marzipan and almonds. I'm very happy about getting that one. Mm. I think this one's my favourite so far. Yeah, I'd have to I, say the same. I do like the others, but this one. On to our top three whiskies. So we tried quite a lot of whiskies. From I was expecting more. I felt like we tried more whiskies. Well, I I did try more than you because I had for a living. I had the extra. Op- no, I had that extra. Um, I did try more than you because I had those extra. I had that extra episode with other Tom. Oh, of course. Where you I did. tried a few more. I haven't included them in this list because I can't really comment on them. No, but um, so here's the stats from last year. So we tried three English whiskies, two bourbons. Three blended scotches. I think it was three. Um, although one of them I wasn't quite sure on. Seven single malts and two Irish. We definitely overdid the Scots last year. Yes, which I think is something we, we need to work on we, this year. We addressed uh, outside of the podcast and said this year going forward, we won't, of course, we're, we've already started with a few blended scotches. We won't discount <laughs> scotch entirely. No, of course not. Um, but we are going to, next year, we're going to be throwing in a few... Interesting curveballs. Interesting curveballs. Nice. Do you have plans? Oh, I have some plans, indeed. I have some plans. Good. I hope you've got a big wallet, because I expect you to buy them. I'm hoping you'll buy them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
realise now I haven't actually jotted down my uh, top three. To be fair, neither have I. I've got it in my head. Same. I'm just, I was staring at the list to see if I make a change. Yeah. But I don't think so. Definitely got my top two. Right. The top Are there three. any honourable mentions you want to pick two if you want to chuck in a couple of honourable mentions? Honourable mentions? Um, okay. I'd say that the the three Dartmoors were surprisingly very nice. Yeah. Um, overpriced, but very nice. I completely agree. Yep. I, for the for the for the cost, I, I, you can I, get much I, nicer. I ones. have seen the price of four bottles, and I'm like, oh, that's that's a lot. Yeah. No, for the price of those three miniatures, you could get a very nice full I, bottle. Yeah. The, I mean, the three miniatures alone were what thirty five to 40 something like pounds. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the prices of the full bottles are ranging from sixty to ninety pounds. Oh my god. Yeah, I did look it up, and I was like, oh, quickly put off by the prices. Yep. <laughs> I agree. I, the Dartmoors would very much be in my honourable mentions, because all of them we really enjoyed. And yep. it's really nice to try some in English whiskies right at yep, the start of the exactly, year. Exactly, exactly. Unfortunately, I can't for, I can't justify putting them in my top, because they're just not... They're not they're, they were lovely, but the, the price point was a bit... Silly. Off. It's silly money. Putting. What else? My other one would be possibly the Teeling ginger beer cask. Yeah, I was going to say either the ginger really beer or the IPA or stout casks, um, Jameson and um, um, whatever the uh, Glenfiddich. The Glenfiddich. Yeah, because those interesting curveballs that weren't they weren't yeah. weren't like normal whiskey. Interestingly, because when we had the Glenfiddichs, the experimenters, we at the time I preferred the Fire and Cane to the IPA. Yeah, as I can because I had the bottles. As I continued to drink more. I actually began to enjoy the IPA more than the Fire and Cane. Yeah, I see that. Which was interesting. But um, yeah, I think the Teeling Ginger Beer Cask, I would include in a rubber match because I've actually, I used it in a cocktail over Christmas called a Whiskey Mac, which is oh. combined, is literally equal parts ginger wine yeah. and whiskey. And I was trying various different whiskeys with it and they were, it was nice, but none of them kind of worked. And I thought, I, would ginger on ginger work? And I combined the Teeling ginger beer cask with the ginger wine. And surprisingly, it worked quite well. Oh. I actually really enjoyed it. It was like the last bit of my bottle. And um, How did yeah. you, what your family think? Oh, it was just me. Oh, it was just you. Just I had this image of you like making this these cocktails no, for your family. No, no. No. So your family were enjoying Christmas. It's just you in the kitchen just making yourself cocktails. No, I made, I made them other cocktails. <laughs> yes, but uh, yeah. I kind of had I, I enjoyed it by itself. I think I shared it with a few other people as well who enjoyed it. It very much reminded me of like um ginger um ginger cake on mm. the nose. But so yeah, those would be my uh, honourable mentions. So what is your uh, number three? Oh, the number three. That's what I had the most difficulty with. I I instantly knew my numbers one and two. My number three. It would probably have to be the Cask Tressors Campbelltown blend. I thought that would be somewhere on your list. Yeah, of course it would be. I thought it was my major contribution to our whiskies last year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like it because, aside from the fact it's super rare and I'm never going to have another one, um, it does have an interesting flavour. And you said it might contain that very rare, some some from that very, it's a blend. It might contain some from that very rare distillery, what's it called? 
Uh, spring bank? Spring bank, that's the one. Not that it's rare, it's... Um, expensive. No, it's not even actually particularly expensive, it's just it has become very highly regarded. Uh. So, because... So, do they do everything by hand, apparently, at the distillery. Oh. And it was kind of one of those whiskies that if you're very into whiskey or you're in the industry, you know it's good. Oh, okay. Um, but sort of during COVID, um, apparently a lot of people began to understand that it's a very good whiskey, which it is, because they do everything by hand. Yeah. During COVID, they weren't able to produce a lot. Oh, so of the demand outstripped the supply. And so even to this day, mm. it's still quite hard to find. Um, but yes, because the um, Cast Treasures is a Campbelltown blend. You only have three distilleries in Campbelltown. You've got Glen Scotia, Glen Carl, and Springbank. So it would probably have included a little bit of Springbank. Oh, so, fair enough, fair enough. But yes, um, yeah. Springbank is nice. Yep. But it is a lot harder to come by than uh, Glen Scotia. Yes, yes indeed. <laughs> Why I have a little fondness for Glen Scotia is because I can find it a lot more readily. Yeah, and there's so many different kinds of Glen Scotia, actually. Yeah. So my uh, number three yep. for my podcast was the Glen Fiddick Project... Double X or yes, actually, I, I almost said that when we were talking when you mentioned like the IPA one earlier. The Double X was was very good. Yeah, well, I think during that episode it was my favourite. Yeah, and um, what did I say? Do you remember? I think um, yours was. I think both of us ranked the Orchard Experiment as our lowest of the four. Yeah, I think you. I think. I think we both put the project tech as our favourite. Yeah, I think so. But I think, and then I think you put. I think we both put fire and cane. I, I can't remember. I now. can't remember. But we both said the double X was the highest highly yeah. rated. I maybe maybe you put fire and cane first because it's smokier. Yeah, and then maybe I put IPA. But it's interesting. No, I think we put project tech, fire and cane, IPA. I don't think we got the exact same. I can't remember. I anyway. can't remember. But, um, yeah, Glenfiddich Double X was um, my third favourite. I, I heard some news that apparently it might be getting discontinued. Oh, are we not going to do any more Double Xs? Apparently not. So um, oh. I might have to get another bottle because I'm about two-thirds of the way through my current one. Yeah. I've made it last, but uh, I think that's partly because I really I quite enjoyed it. Um Although, you'd think if you enjoy it, you, you drink it quicker, mm. but often I find, oh, I kind of want to savour the ones I really, really enjoy. What's your uh, what's your number two, then? My number two must be probably one of the most expensive whiskey bottles that I've ever tried. The Glenfarkas 25-year-old. Mm. But you were very kind to share with me. <laughs> this is for your 25th birthday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Which we did on a podcast, and yes, it was just had it just had so much more to it than it's anything else on this list. Rich and deep, and yeah, exactly, really nice. Yeah, my plan with that bottle is to um, have a dram. I think I think I've got I've shared a bit with yourself and a bit with a couple of other people, mm-hmm. but I think I have enough left in the bottle that if I were to have a dram every year on my birthday, yeah. It will last me till about my fiftieth if I am lucky enough. Oh fucking enough. hell! If I'm lucky enough to make it that far, mm. then uh, it should hopefully last me till my fiftieth. Yep, you'd be very morbid this episode. Like I'm, I'm lucky to still be alive. I'm happy. <laughs> I hopefully you get to fifty. Uh, part, 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 part of some of the books I started the year with. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Henry. But uh, you'll be okay. 
Uh, so my uh, number two. Yes. Which, granted, I didn't actually try on the podcast, but I had tried before, and I gave you to try on the podcast. Oh. But I really loved it. Um, so I'm going to include it anyway. Was the Glen Scotia Campbelltown Festival yep. 2022. Knew that beyond that. Which was the eight-year-old PX Peated whiskey, which just smelled like smoky treacle and tasted <laughs> so good. I completely forgot about that until recently. Yeah, because I like, brought you in the little sample. I didn't bring you loads. Because, uh, <laughs> it was expensive. It, it's, it's a limited edition. So uh, I'm drinking it very sparingly, but loving it every time I go back to it. Um, it was so, nice. It although was I nice. didn't try it on the podcast because I gave you a sample and I had tried it. I felt it like counts. It, it counts. It, it counts. So yes, that was my number two, just because oh, it just tastes and smells like smoky treacle and it is simply sublime it's, it, was, it was very nice go on then what is your number one my number one can you guess Ooh, I'm having a quick check through Woodford Reserve Double Oak you're damn right <laughs> I love that oaky flavour and the Woodford Reserve was just perfect for that it was just like standard Woodford Reserve, just turned up a notch. Turned up a notch, yeah, like like cranked up. Power over 9,000. <laughs> power levels over 9,000. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Woodford Reserve, it, I can't even speak anymore. Woodford Reserve is one of our favourites. Um, it is because it's, it's a decently priced bourbon. Yep. Which is afford- still affordable. Yeah. Good price. I still think I would put Eagle Rare over it, though. I haven't had Eagle Rare in so long. As, yeah. But then Eagle Rare is more expensive. A normal bottle... Not bot- by much anymore. So how much is a normal bottle of Woodford these days? Woodford, Woodford has jumped up in price. Has it? It? Used, it used to be about, like, 30, 35. Yeah, it did. It's now you can find it at some places for around the £40 mark. Oh. Whereas... um. Eagle Rare it's is... about 43 It's about the same... It's very similar price. Yeah. So I'm... I think out of the two, when we tried them, I think I preferred Eagle Rare, and I think I would still... And at the time, it made sense, because it was just a more expensive bottle, but now, actually, oh. Yeah, Eagle Interesting, Rare. interesting. But, um, so yeah, with the reserve, double oak. How to turn tables. How to turn tables. So, I'm kind of cheating here, because I'm combining two, but oh. one, one, one of them, I'm going to explain. Yeah. And it's actually your number two is the Glen Farkas twenty five year old. Yeah, makes Just sense because it is freaking delicious. It is amazing. It is so rich and delicious, and one to be drunk very sparingly, given the price it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not going to be buying many bottles like that. Nope. But I, I'm kind of combining it as a number one because. As delicious it, it, as it is, it's not an everyday drinking whiskey. No, it isn't. You're not going to have much of that. So I'm combining it with one which is from the, the same distillery. The 10-year-old. The 10-year-old. Which you had on the same day, I believe. Which we had at the same time. The reason why I'm including the 10-year-old, and I'm probably putting it as my number one, is because it's delicious, mm-hmm. but it's still very much affordable. And I think it will become a mainstay yeah. on my whiskey shelf. Because it was so tasty, it's still very much an affordable price. And so I think that's why it has to take my spot as number one. It's sherry cask, nice and that dried fruit fruitiness that I love from a sherry cask. Yeah. And, yeah. 
It's great. Although, unfortunately, Dan Farkas has uh, unfortunately bumped up their prices very oh, recently. No. It's because uh, I found this when I was in a whiskey shop in London. I, I saw the prices and I was like, freaking hell, those have gone up. Mm-hmm. Particularly for some of their older ones. So the, um, the Glen Farkas 25, which I bought for uh, just over £200, yep. is now closer to £300. Oh, no. Even the, uh, I love the Glen Farkas 10 because it was one of my go-to How under forty pound whiskey. Under forty pounds, it's now just over forty pounds, well, which not, isn't that's too not, that's not too bad. Still a lot. Yeah, it's apparently because there's. I spoke to someone at the shop and they said uh, it's because their stills are gas fired, oh. and of course with Ukraine and everything. So uh, with the increase in energy cost, hence they have had to up the price to compensate and. Uh, Unfortunately, I think with the world economy as it is, we will not be seeing those prices drop anytime soon. No, which that's is a, a shame. shame. That is a shame. But um, this does lead us into an interesting discussion, though. So you mentioned just now that that this whiskey Glenfarkas ten year old would be a mainstay on your shelf. Yeah. This implies that although you've got like selves on your desk the whiskey you're drinking, and on yourself the whiskey that you're keeping, um, this just imply that you have certain whiskies that you always have as like mainstays as you say so I was wondering what those whiskies were so granted because I have quite a few whiskies on my shelf there and I'm trying to work through some of the ones I have mm-hmm. in an ideal world I think I would have yeah more bottles like this This implies you'd always have like a few bottles ready and on the go just in case you fancy a dram yeah. so you know what you're getting so and I'm wondering what when those I say are. mainstays I, I think of ones where they're not like super special, so I wouldn't wouldn't be drinking them sparingly. It'd be ones like I would have if you fa- if you get home from if work, I get home, have a drink that I fancy or one I'm happy to share with friends. I think it would be something like a Glenfarkas ten, yep, an Aaron ten. Aaron, I don't um, think I've tried that. You haven't tried that, okay, but uh, okay. it is one well worth trying. Okay, okay, um, and it's still around the forty pound mark. Which good, is excellent, good, good. I think a Kaulila twelve. These are all around forty pounds, I'm guessing. Uh, Carolina Twelve is about fifty pounds. Oh, it's a bit more, nice bit more. and smoky though, so you Ooh, would love it. I like the sound of that. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Glenfarkas, Carolina, um, Tullamore. Of course. of course, yeah, of course. One of, one of our personal favourites, uh, Glen Scotia, Campbelltown Harbour. Oh, yeah. Because that's yep. usually about 35. We, we tried that together, didn't we? Yeah, that was, that's featured on the podcast before. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, some of the, they're like range in the 30 to 40 pound region. Probably like like a Eagle Rare or. Except a, for Tullamore, which is considerably less. Yeah, Eagle Rare or Woodford. Um, if I was having bourbon. Um, maybe something like a Toki or a. a Nicker from the barrel if it's maybe Japanese whiskey. Oh, okay, okay. So, so you've yeah. got you've got selects from everywhere on there as well. Yeah, so kind of like um, a few different ones which are like the thirty to forty pound range. Just I know I can open them, I can easily enjoy them, but I can also share them with people who uh, either love whiskey or are new, to, new it. to whiskey. Like with the Glenfarkas Ten, part of the reason I loved it was I was out drinking with some friends who are not into whiskey really at all. They're like, go on then, we're out for a drink, we're having a few pints. They're like, go on. We were at a pub where there was some a good whiskey selection. Go on, pick a whiskey for us that you think we'll enjoy. 
like like Glen Fox Temp. I love that. I've shared it with you. You enjoyed it. I've shared mm-hmm. it with a couple of other people. Yeah, absolutely. Shared it with family as well who aren't big whiskey drinkers, but they tried it and said it's So I I got three drams, shared it with these friends, and even they were like, This is nice. Yeah. Like, this is nice. I'm like, good. <laughs> I this is a whiskey that even non whiskey drinkers can enjoy. So that's pretty cool. I think that's why I And you can easily get another one for an affordable price. Yeah. So I think that is why I would have to put it as my number one. That's so fair. What about flipping the question? What about yourself? What would be some mainstays on your shelf? So I am not as lucky and don't get to try um, so, uh, whiskies around the forty pound mark as often as you without paying the forty pounds in advance. Um, so I don't do don't tend to do that as often. I also think I drink whiskey a lot faster than you, <laughs> which I think is just a problem with me. I need to work on. <laughs> So mainstays on myself, there will be no sharing, <laughs> except maybe with you, Henry, because it will be a lot of my friends. It will be wasted on them, to be fair, um, and also there won't be enough there to share. <laughs> um, so I'd probably say Johnny Walker Black Label or Double Black Label, just because it's almost addictive how nice it is. If you remember when we were going to try it on the podcast a few years ago, I had, I was like, oh, I'll just try a little bit. Henry wouldn't know. And a day or two later, oh, the bottle's gone. This makes me sound really, that's really bad. I shouldn't be saying that on there. Um, <laughs> and I have to go buy another bottle and uh, be like, okay, well, Henry doesn't know. The same doesn't thing happened with him. a bottle of Bowmore once as well. Potentially. <laughs> so, yeah, a nice, a nice Johnny Walker Black label would go on there. Granted, that is a, re- that is a very affordable and good blend and the black label the bottle is beautiful and the box that comes in is beautiful double black that's, so that's a double you're black like. you're like you're right you're right i'm sorry the double black it's just i was just like oh that looks awesome and it tastes awesome um ton of more mm-hmm. it's on there it's got to be um so affordable so good so that's on there then i would probably have to say you're not going to like this but um hatazaki Either the cheaper yeah, you, blend, you do like that, don't you? or the pure malt, or pure whatever malt. it's called. That yeah, the, the pure malt. Yeah, the pure malt was just amazing. I don't know what it is about the taste, but I feel like that's the most flavour I've got from a whiskey. Or it's the most flavour that I've I've recognised. Your more experienced, well-trained palates maybe is like there's not as much here as you say, Tom. <laughs> but I really liked I mean, it. You enjoy it, you enjoy it. No one can... No one can tell me otherwise. No. Flavour is subjective, I believe I heard somebody say earlier. <laughs> um, so those three would all be on there. Um, so we've got two very affordable ones, one a bit more expensive. And then in an ideal world, I'd like one with strong oak flavours. So like Glen Turret or Woodford Reserve Double Oak, Triple Oak, Double Oak. It's Glen, Glen Turret Triple Oak and Woodford Reserve Double Oak. Well, Glen, Glen Turret Triple Word Triple Word with Reserve Double Oak yeah, yeah. Um, that's so confusing but one of those two I think the Double Oak's easier to get hold of yeah I think the uh, Glen Turret Triple Word is cheaper than the, out of those two oh I think the Triple Word Glen Turret is about 50 and the uh, I think I've got the bottle of the Woodford for about 60 okay okay but uh, still both very nice ones very nice ones so yeah so I think that would, that would be it right. well on to our next whiskey on to our next whiskey on to the next whiskey so next on our whiskey lost distillery tasting tour is Jericho which is an interesting name 
Um, this is the uh, the um, shortest lived. Oh no, what am I talking about? This is still quite an old whiskey. So it opened in 1822 and closed in 1913. So this is actually the oldest distillery so far, I believe. Am I getting that right? No. No, it isn't. Ognagi was the oldest. Yeah. Okay, ignore me. Anyway, Jericho comes from... Oh, it's pretty much on the space side border, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's still much within space side, I would say. Yeah, so very much in the east of Scotland and quite far north. Not in space side, but still in the Highlands. I think, I think that's still space side. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, There's a border just above it. Oh, maybe not then. Yeah, no, it's, it's just side of the border. Even well, yeah. so in space side. So still Highlands. Um, not quite space side, but it's pretty close. So maybe maybe we'll pick up some space side flavours. Let's find out. They're definitely getting darker as we go in. <laughs> that liquid's definitely getting darker. It's going to come out. The last one's going to be like a stout, I swear. Do you think maybe it's colouring? I wonder if it's colouring, maybe. You're never going to guess these. Let's check the tasting notes. You're never getting these. Oak. Interesting. I hope so. Raisin or dark fruit. It's like a, yeah, it's getting that. Dried fruit note. Are you getting any sweetness? I'm getting from, sweetness. From like, from like those dried fruit notes. The dried fruit notes. So I'm not gonna, I, I've read the, the tasting notes. I don't want to say anything because it'll just be power suggestion like we had with you earlier. What do you think? Move on to trying it? Or do you have any more guesses? Yeah, let's go. Again, that's richer than the last one. Mm. I'd say I prefer that one over it. I can, I, I get, I do, I'm, I'm getting some oak from that too. And I'm, I'm getting that like smooth wood flavour, yeah. which is bringing that above the last one for me. Oops. I'm getting like stewed fruit from it. Like, oh, interesting, interesting. Stewed fruit. I know. Yeah, some like dark, rich plum. Oh, I get. Oh, I like that. Go on then. Yeah. Give okay. The... So we've got fruit cake. Hey. Fruit cake. So I guess it's dried fruit for you. Yeah. And then there's tangerine. Tangerine. This is what you probably that was probably what you're thinking of when you're saying plum. It's probably yeah, the tangerine. Right. Yeah, I did almost say like it's like a clementine or an orange or something. Yeah, yeah. And then these are the bits that this is the one I felt you'd never get herbs. Mm. <laughs> Some of these tasted notes have been a bit like mm, what? Yeah, so herbs. Mm. It's like herbs and spices are things I put on my chicken. <laughs> I'm not expecting them in my whiskey. I mean, I I, I get spice. Yeah, spice. I've okay, had spice, spice whiskey. from whiskey before, but, but herbs. never like herbs. I mean, I've got I've, I've got a jar of Italian herb blend in the kitchen because spice. I mean, when I've, tried, when I've tried tequilas and mezcals before, I've gotten like herbaceous qualities, but I've never thought whiskey mm, herbs. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. And finally, vanilla. Of course. Yeah. Yep. Naturally, naturally. Yep. So yeah. That's, that's the thing it's Jericho. one of those obvious ones where you're like oh no it's easy yeah. you're not going to say it but it's like it's one of those super obvious ones yeah 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 right so continue with the books Tom mm. what? so we do my number five your number five my number four your number four and so on let's go on okay so who's uh, so am I going first am I going first you go first okay so my number five is Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo and I did have to google the pronunciation there very quickly um, Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. So, oh, if I have got your name wrong, Lee Bardugo, I'm very sorry. Um, and I love this book because I love heist stories. 
I love fancy stories, and I love stories by Lee Bardugo. And they've all been combined into one, which is fantastic. It just it, there was a small group of characters who were doing this heist, and um, they all worked really well together. Like the, the author made me care about all of them, and they interacted in a very believable way. Okay, almost all of them. That's why I didn't care about. But they made them interact with it in a really good way, and just it really enhanced the adventure. So the, the, like a, a lot of the first portion of the book was character building development exploration which sometimes I struggle with like okay I get who it is let's keep going but I uh, it, it didn't feel like that for me and then when the heist began it was just adventure from that point and that was fantastic so have you watched Shadow and Bone on Netflix Henry? No. I highly recommend it because you'd love it and it's uh, the Shadow and Bone is a combination of the books Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo hmm. Leigh Bardugo Sorry. <laughs> I even Googled it. Damn. Um, so, yeah, that was my fifth entry. I think I actually might have seen, like, the first episode of Shadow. Is that the one where it's, like, a Shadow Bone, City of Ash, and all those? It's quite a long-running series. No, it's only a trilogy. Am I getting... Mixed you up? might be getting it confused with the Mortal Instruments. I think I am, yes. You are. That's the one with the attractive people with the tattoos that give them powers who hunt demons. Yeah, I think I'm getting them confused. You're definitely getting them confused. Yeah. yeah, this is a very, very different very story. Different Fair enough. <laughs> but, but, but they are both on Netflix, so... They are both on Netflix. Yeah, so I right. understand why I got them. Exactly. Yeah, well, if you watch the trailers, you'd be like, oh... No, I, now you've said, Channel I'm picturing the trailer, but... It, yeah. So what was your number five, Henry? So my number five was... Breath by James Nestor. Oh, is this the one you said about how to breathe properly? Yes. And then I said, oh, it's been working for me all these years. Yeah, you proceeded to make a lot of bad jokes about breathing. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I'm very drunk or they were surprisingly funny. Yes. Possibly both. Yeah. But um, I enjoyed it because not only was it... Hold your breath for a second. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Fair play, fair, fair play. play. That was play. that was not the worst joke I've heard. No, someone will take your breath away. Oh. <laughs> Shuts off podcast, gets up, walks home. home. <laughs> I've had a moment to catch my breath. Oh, uh, see, so you're doing it now. You're just as bad. <laughs> but um, reason why I liked it was it. It covered a mixture of science, history, and useful practical applications. To breathe. Yeah. Or to breathe more efficiently, to breathe better, to put into practice. And how about what, like, so if I breathe differently, what sort of benefits can I expect? So one of the key implications of the book was the importance of nasal breathing over mouth breathing well yes obviously that's the purpose of your nose yeah but um that that's the one of highlights of the book was how many people in the world do not focus mouth breathers oh yeah who are mouth breathers and how bad it is actually for their health and so it was right sorry right, <laughs> But My nose is partially blocked, so I'm trying to do what you're suggesting, and it's just taking me longer to breathe. But no, that was the really interesting thing, was that I never thought about it, that, like, there is a difference. Yeah. And how science has proven that there is a difference, and how this book showed it and demonstrated it, how much 
better for your health it is to be a nasal breather than a mouth breather. And so a number of the, I still need to implement some of the breathing techniques they've he discussed in the books. I think some of them will be very beneficial for myself. Even so, I but found, you use some from asthma, don't you, Henry? Yeah. But that's the thing I found with um, my exercise and stuff, I focus much more on nasal breathing. Mm-hmm. So particularly when I'm running, I'm focusing on trying to breathe through my nose. Mm-hmm. And it's been... And like me and you, we do training sessions together with yes. a friend of ours. Yes. But it's interesting, even doing like training sessions together with our friend, like when we are training, I'm focusing on my nasal breathing mm-hmm. because that is the suggested better method for it. But I find when I do focus on it, even when we've been training hard, if I focus on that nasal breathing, I recover so much quicker. I find myself oh, really? like, yeah, I find myself like recovering quicker. I'm like, I'm still out of breath, but when I'm breathing through my nose, I find myself ready to go a lot quicker for the next exercise. That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah, particularly like I've, I've been part of the my, well, my New Year's resolutions was to try and get back into running because mm-hmm. I haven't really been focusing on my running for quite a while now. So when I've been getting back into running, I've been focusing on my nasal breathing and I found like I'm not nearly as tired as everything where when I'm alternating nasal and mouth breathing. And um, even like some so of the, weird. some of like the breathing techniques they suggest, like uh, box breathing where you breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathe in. It's um it's been for like really good for like calming myself down or um like preparing like when i've had to do some like speaking engagements or do um presentations or stuff it's like something i can do to sort of like calm myself steady my nerves ready for when i go and do a speech so this book's had a major impact on your life yeah it's It's helped you out in stressful situations it's made training easier yeah and that's that's why it's quite fascinating because it's science history and Practical application all rolled into one. So this is, is a good non-fiction book. Yes. So it's what I love. It's a useful non-fiction book. What I love about when I can take like practical applications from non-fiction mm-hmm. and put them into my own life. And yeah, there's still some techniques in there I need to give a go, which I put off but because some of them take a bit more time. But um, yeah. The one you've got to go back to and try. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few things. Try I'm all gonna... of those. So yeah. So that was my number five. So. Yeah, I enjoyed that. So what about your uh, number four then, Tom? My number four. Oh, God. Oh, no, this is good. So number four, it was Kings of the Wild by Nicholas Eames. Do you remember me talking about this on the podcast, Henry? I recognise the name, but I cannot uh, recognise the premise. So remember the premise. This is a book, uh, well, it's one of those books that was inspired by a D&D campaign. So the author, his brother, and their friends or family, I can't remember, um, they had a long run in D&D campaign with the same characters. And one of them decided to write a book about it. And it was very humorous, very well done. And a particular um, aspect of the book that stood out for me was how adventuring parties in this fictional world mm-hmm. um, are treated like rock bands. So they don't go on a quest, they go on tour. Oh yes, I'm beginning to remember your description now. They have uh, they have agents who get them quests. They have merchandise. They have like drug fueled orgy parties and so on and so on. It was just a really enjoyable book. Again, group of characters who are really who 
cared about each other and I cared about them and they went on an adventure and that's all I need to enjoy a book really and there were some quite funny bits as well which is very enjoyable and it was it was about um, so one there used to be an adventuring party they've gone their separate ways they've retired but one of them decides to and I quote get the band back together to rescue his daughter who has foolishly decided to follow him her father's footsteps and become an adventurer herself and has cut herself into a pickle um, so they go on an adventure to try and save her nice good I wouldn't call the book a feel good story but there were plenty of very good moments I was about to say nice good old fashioned adventure, adventure yeah exactly exactly yeah. easy read easy read but very well done I might say as well nice so are you Henry what's your number four my number four and this is this probably is my number one for best book title oh <laughs> okay okay Everyone You Hate Is Going To Die and Other Comforting Thoughts by Daniel Sloss. <laughs> okay then. So Daniel Sloss... So I'd be worried, Henry. <laughs> so Daniel Sloss is a Scottish comedian mm-hmm. and he is bloody hilarious. Okay, okay. So um, his, he has a couple of specials on Netflix, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend you on what's called uh, Dark and Jigsaw. They are freaking hilarious. It is a bit dark humour, as it's just dark. Um, yep. But it he is absolutely hilarious. He is an amazing comedian. Um, but he, yeah, his book made me laugh, and it's just amazing. And <laughs> I actually, um, I lost the book on the train when I was halfway oh, no! through reading it. But because I was enjoying it so much, I went and bought another copy. Immediately bought another copy. Which uh, is... something like that happened to one of my books that I read in my top five. So I'll talk. To, well, I'll talk about that later. But yeah, he uh, he covers. He kind of puts a very comedic twist on stuff from like family, relationships, COVID, his opinion on Americans. <laughs> I think we all have an opinion on Americans. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's. Only about like 250 to 300 pages, but it's very much... If you watch his specials and you enjoy his comedy, mm-hmm. you'll very much enjoy his book because it's very much his darker humour. With, it, with whilst being at times very heartfelt and at times also being very clever. Okay. It's okay. not just super dark humour. He's, he's a... Like many comedians, I think a lot of comedians are actually very intelligent because, of course, they have to come up. They with, have to be, yeah, to come up with this material. But his, um, he, he's, I think he's only a few years older than us, maybe like five, six years older than us. But, um, mm. yeah, his comedy is very good. It does have darker elements, but he twists it into a very humorous manner. And Give us some of his jokes then. Oh. He's one, he's one of those comedians where it's not like just simple one-liners. It's oh, okay. It's, it's like he'll, he'll, he'll do like a, a set a, sort a of story, thing. yeah. Um, so literally one of his entire sets is almost about um, how you should view relationships. Okay. That's like, yeah, it's probably skewed my opinion on relationships, but I uh, don't know whether for the better or whether for the worst. But we'll find out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, here's... Yeah, one one of one of his comedy sets is like, if if you can if you can listen to his uh, this it, the one called Jigsaw. If you can listen to this with your significant other, 
and come out the other end fine, you've got a strong relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and he has literally kept count of how many relationships his comedy set is probably like thousands of breakups, hundreds of cancelled engagements and hundreds of divorces. No, what? Yeah. He's proud of that. Oh yeah, he absolutely <laughs> loved it. Like, people have literally taken their divorce papers to him and asked him to sign it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is freaking hilarious. But, that, but that's the thing, he's like, he's very, I'm not against like true commitment or love or anything which is what he says in his um, this set he's like I'm just against the phony stupid pretenses that some people put up yeah fair enough but um, but yeah no his book was hilarious the co- the, the title is hilarious and yeah <laughs> it, was, it was just a very enjoyable read <laughs> and it was like, it was literally like watching a comedy set I was chuckling the whole way through it must have been a bit odd for your family or the people on the train as you just chucked them in the corner holding the book. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to finish that one and we can start on another whiskey? Yep. I did enjoy this one. It was a good one, wasn't it? It was a very good one. But I thought before the odd final three books, we should get a whole new one in. So, our next whiskey... <laughs> I'm going to struggle with this name as well. It's from Della Ruin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's from the Dalaruan Distillery, which opened in 1825 and closed in 1925. So finally, exactly 100 years. For my OCD is happy. Finally, exactly 100 years this distillery was open for, and this one is on the opposite side of Scotland to the last one we had, all the way down in um, the what would you say that is down south somewhere. Southwest, that's in Campbelltown, all the way down in Campbelltown. So that is very different kind of whiskey making. And we like our Campbelltowns. We do like our Campbelltowns. I believe one was in our top three. Each of our diff, one different Campbelltown was in our top three. Yeah, you had the Campbelltown blend, and I had the uh, Glen Scotia. You had the Glen Scotia. So, so we crack open this Dunlop Ruin. Go on then. In my own time. <laughs> Oh, this one's quite different. And I'm reading the tasting notes here. Definitely has that sort of funkiness from Campbelltown funk, I would say. <laughs> Campbelltown funk. <laughs> I want you to become a musician and have that be one of your singles. Oh, that would be a good name, Campbelltown funk. Campbelltown funk. <laughs> Tropical fruit. Oh. Touch of peat. Mm-hmm. No, it's all estery in a way. <laughs> what do you mean by Campbelltown funk? I don't know, just... Uh, the way I've heard Campbelltown whiskeys described, like Springbank and stuff, I've heard described like other podcasts with like whiskey enthusiasts. It's like it has this funkiness. Funkiness. I don't. I'm not quite on their level. Maybe I think they've they've been in the whiskey game longer than we have, but they have this way of describing it. It's just sort of like that differentness. It's like kind of funkiness to it. It's yeah. different. It's different from the other stuff we've tried. Fair enough, fair enough. So we give it a try? Go on then. <laughs> That's Campbelltown. It's, it, this one is one of those things I really like about the certain whiskies is that it's a different flavour as it journeys through your mouth. And when it gets to the back of your mouth, you get a hit of saltiness. You, like maritime. Maritime that, saltiness. There is, there is a bit of peaty in there. Have you ever had those like little salty peppers? 
that you have. Mm. It reminds me of that. Yeah, it's like a it's like a real mix of stuff in there. Yeah, I really like that when whiskies do that. Mm. Like a, it's like nothing like you can a, quite put your finger on. Like a whole buffet of different flavors. Yeah, go on then. Okay, Give us so the rundown. The rundown, the tasting notes, smoke. What you got? And then what I was trying to hint for you to say when I was asking about Campbelltown Funk, salt. Mm. Which we Maritime. did definitely. Yeah, Maritime. Well, you said that after you tried it. Um, spice, which is something we said earlier about mm. spice and whiskey. This one's got spice. And one you did get, fruits. Mm. So, at first, when I first took a sip, I was like, no, the last one was better. And then the Maritime saltiness hit, and I was like, oh, no, you know what? I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. We do like our Campbell dance. Mm-hmm. Go on then. Your number three. My number three, this one was almost in my well, if it was it was never going to be my honourable mentions, it was going to always be in my top five. But it would have taken the slot for most weirdest book I've read this last year. Um, if it was in my honourable mentions. And that's The Grey Bastards by Jonathan French. So this book was heavily inspired by Sons of Anarchy TV show. Where, but it's a fantasy book. So rather than so it's still about a bunch of bikers. But rather oh, than ri- rather than riding motorbikes, they ride giant warthogs whose tusks happen to form handlebars. <laughs> and rather than being those criminal bikers in Sons of Anarchy, they're half orcs. And rather than being criminals in California, they have a lot, which is um, essentially they are responsible. They're in exchange for owning the land and using it however they like. They defend. They they defend. Well, they they kill any or act for orcs that try to pass through towards more civilized lands. So that's, and that's also why they're always riding around and fighting things. And it, <laughs> it was a really unique take on. Um, Really different, unique fantasy book. And the heavy biker gang inspiration, outlaw biker gang, I should say, was actually really well done. Mm. I really got that impression. And it just really worked. Very good book, I must admit. Um, I remember you really enjoying it when you mentioned it on the previous on a previous podcast. It was one you... Re- yeah, again, you compared it to Sons of Anarchy... Well, it was definitely inspired. The main character in Sons of Anarchy is called Jax. And the main character in yeah, this one is called very, Jackal. And yeah, like one, another main character in Sons of Anarchy is called Clay. And in this one, there's a guy called Claymaster. And I'm just like, yeah, that's really little bit too on the nose, actually, if I'm honest. Yeah. Which you said during the episode, it was very... You can tell where it's heavily inspired from. And it's very kind of similar, but with the fantasy twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought the fantasy twist worked. Very, very well. That's good. So, my number three was The Iron Jackal by Chris mm. Wooding. Which, again, I think I think one of his books made it onto my top five last year. Well, of course it would. Uh, great. The Black Lung Captain. Um, and again, it's because, very much like Joe Abercrombie, he has a very unique writing style where he can, he can take a premise... Which, for a lot of people, would take a whole book yeah. to fill it up. And yet he puts it literally at the start of the book and then creates a whole 
rest of the book around it. Although the rest of the book could all be its own book as well. Could all be its own book as well. So in this case, it's... There's a, not a single word wasted. Like, ideas are not explored more than they need to be. No. Things aren't drawn out at all. So in the case of this book, for minor spoilers, or for spoilers, it takes premise that it... Um, it goes from a train heist, mm-hmm. which could have been a whole book in itself, in the planning, the preparation, the train heist, the aftermath. Yeah. And that is literally the f- first third, third of yeah. the book. Then proceeds to go into a an, a, air, a, an escape via air, a, a exploration of a ruined city battle with a Goliath this giant monster thing and how awesome was the end that that ending battle yeah it's it's just the fact that he took what could have been a single book idea could have been like four books could have been four books and condensed it down into one which is only like 350 pages yeah is how he manages to cram so much into that three hundred fifty pages is entertaining from start to finish, and it's just one of those ones you can't put down. It's the exact same with his previous uh, with Black Lion Captain and Red Redemption Falls, the first in the series. Yeah, it took a like the previous book took like a jungle exploration, explanation, a a, jungle explanation, like the previous book. (laughs) (laughs) Please continue. Like the previous book, Black Lung Captain, which took a jungle exploration novel, which could have been the entire book, them exploring a jungle, searching for a lost treasure. And again, it was only the first third of the book, and yet it continues to develop into such an interesting story. Again, it's his, like Joe Abercrombie and his unique writing style, where he can, like, we've discussed it before in yeah. chapters where he jumps from character to character and it, like, works so well. Like, with this, he takes a concept that could be a book in itself and turns it into just a part of an amazing book. It also makes those books really memorable. Yeah. So because there's so much awesome things happening, you remember all of it because you're like, I remember that bit, I remember that bit, I remember that bit. Because they're just so unique, different Bits. I'm, I'm really becoming very less and less articulate as this yeah. episode goes on. There's the thing when I was, when I was rereading it and they were referring back to bits in the previous. I, really, I can't remember this really as well as Tom because I was like, oh wait, oh yeah, that did happen in the last book and I've forgotten about that. I anyway. can't remember all of them anywhere near as well as I can claim, but yeah, no, yeah. I get your point. It was like where they, they'd met the mains in the previous one. I was like, oh yeah, that did happen, didn't it? <laughs> it's like, it's How good. could you forget that bit? That's like half it, a book. It had been like, a year since I'd read it. It's been ten years since I read it. Okay, you have a lot of best memory. For, <laughs> for books, yeah. For I'm, I'm, my mind is weird. But yeah, I really enjoy that. Shall I jump straight into my number two to change it up a bit? Okay, yeah, if you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight to straight. So my number two was Edge of Eternity by Ken Follett. Mm-hmm. Which, although I don't think it was the best in the trilogy. Okay. I think it finished the trilogy. Yeah. Uh, the century trilogy in a very satisfactory mm-hmm. and enjoyable way. Yeah. It, um, yes, the series follows various, like five, six different families from various yeah. countries 
over the course of the 1900s and finishes in the early 2000s. So what's happened in that century as well. Yeah. And it's an amazing series and I'm very thankful to the friend who introduced me to them because it has some amazing books. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was the best in the trilogy. It was the final one. It was the final one. What was the best in the trilogy in your opinion? It's, it's hard to distinguish between the first and the second because the first is such a good introduction to all the various families and where they are situated in the world and everything and of course yeah. it's they're, they're fictional families but they follow real historical events yeah I think my problem with this final entry was a few of the characters are kind of dropped and aren't given as much attention okay there is one of the characters from one of the previous books who you think would be mentioned and has it's almost like forgot the author it's literally almost like I had to look this up afterwards and it's like people are like did the author forget about this character? Oh. Um, but, um... Mate, well, to be totally honest, sometimes people do die young yeah, but it's or like, there, is literally, there is literally no mention of the character uh, whatsoever, and they were... And you'd think, like, oh, this person who's, like, married to them or whatever, but no, that yeah. sort of thing, yeah. It's really interesting, like, the way the author strings together mm-hmm. so many different characters from so many different countries and different events. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah it's just it's just amazing it's uh, so this I th- I think also this book covers a lot longer period than either of the other two yeah so certain it had to be almost condensed in a way because it follows from the basically the construction of the Berlin Wall yeah right up until the deconstruction of the Berlin Wall, which is a long period, yeah. up until um, Barack Obama's... Um, it's, a lot long, it's a lot later. Yeah. It's like 50, 60 years compared to the previous two books, which covered the start, the start of World War One to the end of World War One, yeah. the start of World War Two to the end of World War Two. whereas this book covers about 50, 60 years. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot had to be condensed down Granted, it took me a long time to finish it. It took me about a month to read this book. Granted, it was over a thousand pages. Well, that's fair enough. But um, still, a fantastic book by Ken Follett, and I really need to get around to reading some more of his stuff. So, yeah, really good book. But uh, it was good. I'm glad you liked it. I still think you should read them. Cause I'm we, not going we, to read them. No, because we mentioned The Fall of Giants, which is the first one. Yeah. And you said you were interested in that. Did I? Yeah. I feel like you're trying to use a first psychology on me in some way. No, you've generally mentioned on the... I've described it to you on the podcast, and you've generally been interested. Well, I'll see if I can fit it into my reading schedule. Uh-huh. Squeeze it in between some other some fantasy books. Well, it's, it's a historical fiction. So. Yeah, I do like historical fiction. There you go. Well, so I get on with my... It's my get number, on with your next one. Uh, my then, number two, yeah? And then we will have our final, final whiskey, whiskey before our final. So my number two, probably come as no surprise to you, Henry, is Spirits of Vengeance by Rob J. Hayes, the other Mortal Techniques book. It's the most recent one written, unless the novella, which I haven't read yet, came later. Um, and this one followed a um, disgraced... 
He's called a Shinte in the books, because that's what they're called in the world. But he's basically a Ronin. A disgraced Ronin who is trying to earn penance by travelling around hunting yokai, which are dangerous spirits. And fantastic book. Absolutely fantastic. As I said like in the, the books earlier, in that world, heavily inspired by Chinese and Japanese mythology. And it's just... There's also some steampunk British soldiers thrown in. But anyway... Um, it's just fantastically the world is so unique and well realized well realized and the characters are just so it's fun to read and follow and again it's another adventure book i like my adventures henry and this one i what i really particularly liked is are you, are you going on an adventure i'd love to go on an adventure i'm going on an adventure gandalf where are you although actually i do not have enough food to feed seven dwarves okay i thought it was like 11 there are, aren't they? I'm getting confused with Snow White. White. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really liked how, despite the adventure and the high stakes and the really cool villain, the main character, Haruto, doesn't actually take time off his day job and continues to hunt yokai in, in the lands they pass through. And it always makes, although it's technically a diversion, and I normally hate a diversion from the main plot in a book, these ones worked really well. And they were actually really interesting because some character development was thrown in as well, so you would have to. So it kind of read like a whole TV show and it condensed into a novel. Mm. Just sort of like a, imagine a monster of the week TV show with a story arc spreading throughout, condensed into a novel. Nice. That's sort that of would like actually work really well. It would, yeah, and it, 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 and it did. It, did. It, it was absolutely fantastic. Nice. Um, so that was my number two book and that was the, uh, it was re- a real struggle because the other two books in that series Never Die and Pawn's Gambit were obviously in my own mentions and it was a real struggle to decide which of them to put in there I think before we move on to the next whiskey because I realise we still have a couple of games and a couple of shows which we might want to throw into a little discussion at the end Yeah. so I think we should finish up with our top books Yeah. and then we'll have our final whiskey and have yep. a little Final discussion before we wrap up. Okie dokie. Cool. Do you want to go first? Or am I going first? Or should I say mine, then you say yours, and then we'll deep dive into them. Okay, okay. So, I'll say my title, you say yours. Okay. So, my top book was The Trouble With Peace by Joe Abercrombie. Yes! I knew that would be on there. The Trouble With Peace, not The Wisdom of Crowds. I'll explain that when we oh, get to deep dive. Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. So your top one? Can you guess? God, no, because you have so many fantasy books. I do have a lot of them. fantasy books, but I'll give you a clue. I did have to get up and show you this one because of the amazing artwork. It's the one with the vampire. Yes, I Empire of the... I, I did earlier when you were describing one, I was like, is that the vampire one with the cool artwork? And then you carried on, and I was like, no, it's not that one. No, so Empire of the Vampire by Jay Kristoff. It did kick Nevernight out to my honourable mentions because it was better so I can see why you got confused Jane Christoph I imagine he stays up late at night when he does his writing because he seems to be heavily inspired <laughs> by night time uh, Empire of the Vampire um, that was the book I mentioned I had a similar scenario to you I didn't lose the book when I was reading it I was reading it on Kindle and I broke my Kindle so not only did I buy a new Kindle, but because that was going to take a while to get here, I bought a physical copy of the book as well. And, and it actually ended up being much better. It was so awesome. The artwork inside is absolutely yeah, amazing. After the episode we did, and I was like, this looks cool. It's so <laughs> cool. The artwork is really cool. And between the artwork and the writing style, it's a bit different than Evernight. It gave this really strong sense of... Uh, uh, sorry, are we going to deep dive? 
You go ahead. You go ahead. Like you're in the flow. <laughs> I'm in the flow. Uh, really strong sense of atmosphere. Like so, and th- this is a, a fantasy world, but there's been some kind of disaster. It might be magical. It might be scientific. Nobody knows which is blocked out. It's caused lots of dust to rise up and block out the sun. So obviously the vampires are having a field day, which means the vampire hunters are having a headache and um, they're losing. This is the story of the last vampire hunter. As the blurb will say, I really hope. Oh, I've just given very massive spoilers. <laughs> um, I think the blurb does say that. Um, and it's all it's told through the voice of the main character, Gabriel de Leon. He's such a good hero to the point where I actually got a, someone on Etsy to make me a custom bookmark of one of my favourite quotes of his. Who the fuck said I'm a hero? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just fantastic. Everything about that book, the characterization, the action sequences. Yes, there is an adventure and a quest because it's me. It's what I like. But the atmosphere, characterization, everything about it, especially the artwork. Absolutely sublime. Definitely the strongest entry for books last year that I had, that I've read. And I, I, I actually had to keep putting it off a bit. So like, I'm, I was so looking forward to reading that book and it really didn't disappoint. After the uh, episode's over, you're going to have to show me that bookmark. Um, I, I, I definitely showed you before, but I will, I will show you in a second. Absolutely. So my first one, as I mentioned was A Trouble With Peace by Joe Abercrombie. Yes, and I was now, quite interested. Like, cause that's the second in a trilogy. And normally the second authors struggle with the second book and have a very strong first and final book. And um, I'm quite interested to see why you preferred this I, one over I Wisdom of Crowds. I did almost put the two together. Yeah, that's fair. Before. But um, I think I, with it, I found it is the perfect middle ground. Yeah. Because when we were discussing the books, we were saying it's a very interesting contrast of characters mm-hmm. we go from a very sort of unlikable character to him becoming more interesting more likable and yes. more stepping into his role as a leader yes indeed and developing further as is a big battle and again joe abercrombie implements his wonderful signature style of swapping from character to character of course um, but at the same time, you've got another character who has developed from a hero into a less, much less, much less, likeable. into more of an anti-hero, and then becomes a more, slightly more obnoxious, broken character um, throughout the series. And it was that middle ground where you're seeing like, oh, these characters are taking completely different, divergent routes to what you thought they would. This was a traditional fantasy novel. Oh, this is the hero through and through, and this yeah. is the villain through and through. Where these characters are taking very different, divergent routes to what you thought. And I'm like, I didn't like this character at first, and actually I'm going to respect them. Where it's like, oh, I like this character at first. Oh, you're becoming a bit... You're actually trying, showing your true colours. Yeah. And then you've got a various good supporting cast. You've got other interesting main characters. And granted, in the final novel, I like the way... Joe Abercrombie has set up future events that we know this is not the end it's of this world. No. This is, there is so much more to come. It's wonderful. But I think this this book, like the, the battle, is, is very dominated by a central battle or a yeah. central conflict. 
like other Joe Abercrombie books. Yeah, he he loves this conflict and he writes them amazingly well. Like yeah. visualise it so amazingly. Again, it, it is just the interesting way he writes his characters, how diverse and how they feel how adap- very real. They feel very real and very adaptable, and then they surprise you they do surprise you but, is, but not in a way that you're like why would this person no. do this but in a way it's like very oh believable. that makes sense of course that's what they would do yeah it's sort of like he, he's very good at building up what because you're used to characters doing certain things in certain ways at certain times in fantasy books yeah. and then he shows well realistically they wouldn't no, and you're like he shows them that's as, not what I expected I can't as, argue with that he shows them as very human very human that's they the word. Yes, that's human. very human. And I think that's why his writing and his characters are wonderful. They are flawed, they are broken, mm-hmm. they are heroic, they are cowardly, they are scared, they are they're human. They're they human. Portray very real human emotions and human characteristics and that is why they are so great. And why I had to put his book as number one. Absolutely. And I can, I, to be fair, I can agree why you put The Trouble of Peace instead of The Wisdom of Crowds because I did find Wisdom of Crowds a little underwhelming. I still really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm not saying I didn't. It was still an amazing book, but it didn't have the same punch that The Last Argument of Kings had. But one of the characters did the best last lines. This is true. This is so true. Which for anyone who's he weathered to the afterlife with his head held high. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyway, we are deep in. We are deep in. Let's let's get the final whiskey. whiskey, Final whiskey, number six. And we will have a little dive into some shows and some games, and we will wrap up there. Exactly. So our final whiskey from the Lost Distillery Company is Lost. Lost it. Lost it. You can pronounce that one all right. Well, that's because it's simple. <laughs> um, oh, just like you. Oh, this is the oldest what whiskey, I believe. Yeah. That was 100. So, the, so the, I mean, what I mean is it was... Okay, it's not the oldest. So the Orkanagi, the first one we had, was the one that was opened earlier than any of the others. But this one closed earlier than any of the others. So this one, Lossett, opened in 1817 and closed as early as 1867. So it's the youngest. So it's that's the youngest. Yeah, that's the set. Yeah, the youngest. Is it? I thought there was another one which was quite young. That one that you're thinking of was the Tarrymore, which opened in 19, 1898 and closed in 1931. So that one was more shorter-lived. Died younger than Lossett. Uh, anyway, so I get boring. Ha! I got it first time. No, I think this might be a favourite from, from you. Because oh, it's absolutely. Not LA, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. That's interesting. It's a bit paler again. It we've is! Gone, gone back to that pale straw colour. Yeah, I'm getting the peak. I'm getting the peak. But not nearly as heavy as I thought it might be. I'll be interested if you get the rest of these. Pete, Brian. Brian? No, slightly briny. Salt. Oh, uh, briny salt. Do you want to? Is there there's something similar to that, close to that, which you could guess? Coastal? <laughs> no, no, no. You're thinking too maritime. Think more tabletop. Pepper. Yes. 
Right, anyway, cheers. Um, likes peaty goodness. Iodine. Iodine. Iodine? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Medicinal. Medicinal? <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, PT. So, I'll so them to you. Go on then. So, I imagine you're struggling here because the peat is overriding the other flavours. And I completely understand <laughs> that because I'm not getting anything else either. Peat, almonds, mm. pepper, which you did get, mm. and pears. Definitely not getting no, I'm not no, getting none, of, none of these have got peach or pears or anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where some of these, like, oh, herbs. I don't know where. Herbs. No, well, there was one that had pepper as well, which we were like, what? Yeah. Very odd. Well, I, no, I actually preferred the one, not the last one, but the one before that. The, um, wasn't Terry Moore, was it Jericho? I think Jericho might have been the best. Mm. Anyway, we discussed our books. Let's go start whiskeys. What, what, what shows do you want to talk about? Any shows or games or anything you want to highlight that you've enjoyed? Do we want to talk about Andor now? Or do we want to talk about Andor the next episode? I mean, we've discussed Andor a lot. Yeah. And I know we've had conflicting views. There's conflicting views. I loved it. You weren't so keen on I it. I wasn't so keen. There were definitely good bits. Sets of amazing... Um, the character very well acted, but I I did have confusion. Actually, it's quite a very bold opinion to be sharing on the internet, but I don't know why it's so popular. I think it's because it's quite different. Yeah, I can get I get that, but there were my problems were not to do with it being different. My problems are I have no problem with for, it for being. For you, it's not action. It's not. No, 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 no. It isn't. No, I disagree. Yes, I would have liked more blaster fights or whatever, but that's not actually the problem. Like, they could have had a gangster epic in the slums of Coruscant, but they barely pick up a blaster, but they spend the... Coruscant? Coruscant. 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 <laughs> Peaky blinders on Coruscant. Coruscant. <laughs> come on, have we, come on, you'd watch that. <laughs> Um, do you want to hear my problems? Is that when we're talking, talking, we're talking about my problems? I have got notes. Oh god, he's come prepared. <laughs> I've come prepared. Okay, so granted, one of my friends agreed with you. He didn't like handle nearly as much as I. Yes. Granted, he I like your friend. He loved Rings of Power, whereas I was like, yeah, I'm not so sure. He had his upsides, but yeah, yeah I quite right. I agree with you on Rings of Power. Okay, so my problems with Andor were. Is Basically, he, he, he was expecting a spy. So I was expecting ever. something more. So obviously, he is a spy. Basically, the character that I love from Rogue One was not the same character yeah, as Andor yeah, in this that's show. The thing is, it is right at his beginning. Of course, he's not going to be the same character. But I wanted to see that character. I don't I want know. to see somebody else. I don't I, I, like. It'd be like saying, "Oh, I've got a new Batman film out! Yay! Oh, he's not Batman yeah, yet." But, but, is the, but is the Batman is the early Batman the same as the later Batman? No, of course, because he grows and develops. Which is what I think we are going to see with Andor. He's going to grow most Batman, Batman, most Batman films are quite similar, if I'm honest. Yeah, okay, because they've gone through so many iterations. <laughs> so they've had to try and stick to the typical Batman. But I think with this... I don't mind him growing and developing as a character. What I didn't like was him doing things that the Andor in Rogue One would never have done. Such as? Cowardice. Pure and simple. Andor in Rogue One was willing to die for his beliefs. Andor in 
um, and or was not prepared to die for anyone or anything. He was in it for himself. And that's a complete different... That's not just character development. That's complete different nature. But I think we see that towards the end of the series... Is that he is he no does go back and rescue his... Himself. Yeah, yeah, He's I no get that. He's not it for himself, and he realises... And what was the motivating feature that made him do that? You don't know, do you? That's because I had problems with the writing. There are loads of interesting characters that I thought were underused or not introduced properly we don't see enough of. Like, um, we barely see the uh, the heist characters. There's loads of interesting heist characters in that are heist arc. They all get, some that get killed off, or we don't get enough of their backstory to be... Yeah, interested I do, on. I do agree with some of them. They were interesting. They got killed off too. Like the storm, the, the stormtrooper guy. Yes, stormtrooper. Yeah, like, think, so think... underused. Or that that big guy who was his friends with. He was like a welder or something. Like, when, like he was just introduced. Like, oh yeah, there's these friends with this big guy. Like, why? Where did they come? Where did he come from? I thought he looks different in age. I thought the big guy was his uncle or something. Like, what? I didn't get that at all. Like, where, what's his relation to Andor? What's going on? I think they like work together or something. Yeah, like uh, yeah, but I wasn't I wasn't introduced properly. Mm. And then there were there were some episodes with little meaningful content. I don't mean there wasn't a fight. I just mean, for example, Henry, I may, it may have been a while since you watched the show, but can you tell me anything that happened in episode two? You've discussed this. In episode that. four, five, eight, nine, anything at all. We both we we discussed this heavily in the previous podcast that we. Said. Oh, did we? A few of the episodes, yes, have yeah. been cut in half. I literally, after I'd seen episode two, I said to you, I agree, it could have been cut in half, stuck to end of episode one, start of episode three. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree with some of that stuff. It could have been implemented into other episodes to make them longer and more interesting. But one of the, one of the interesting things, like what you're saying with like um, some of the characters having short cut-off points, I think it's because... So it's nine episodes long. Mm. Every three episodes was the same director. So they had different they, arcs with different characters. Which all tied together. Yeah. But it's almost like you're if you combine three episodes for each third part, it's almost like they're their own mini movie. Yeah. Which I would have preferred like which three I think, or four yeah, mini movies. Could have, could have worked if they just released those yeah. longer sections. But I overall loved Andor because it had the political intrigue, it had yeah. action, it had some excellent characters, it had some amazing ones. Like, yeah, um, I'm not saying that any of this isn't true. What's his name? Some something Skarsgård. Skellen Skarsgård. His, his acting was superb. I, I loved it. Any time he went on screen, I'm like, finally. His scenes were amazing. Particularly, he has this speech in like episode seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can say something from that episode. Yeah, and his speech was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like hands down, like chills, chills, chills. I get that. I'm not saying this, and there's you know, nothing you said is untrue. It's all absolutely right. But there were just problems I couldn't forgive. That like if those problems weren't there, perfect show. And you'll notice nothing no, I've said so no, far I, has been lack of action. I mean, the biggest problem for me was underdeveloped plot lines. Um, Saw Guerrero shows up a few times, doesn't do anything. At some point... No, I think that's because we've seen him do a lot in previous stuff already. Maybe, but what's the point of having him here, there then? Because he fits into the law. Well, <laughs> the what they steal in the heist is used for nothing. In fact, they even hear about it again. 
You don't even know what happens to it. His home planet. In the early episodes, they have flashbacks to his home planet. And then they just forget about it. Or, and the big one for mm. me... His sister. Yes, exactly. That's the big one for me. Mm. The first scene of the first episode... Minor spoilers, but you literally... First scene in the first episode, he goes to look for his sister. So for me, I've spoken yeah. a lot about on this on this Again, podcast. The fact is, you don't see anything about his sister in the rest of the series. Yeah, so okay. I'm I'm assuming from the first scene because I've spoken a lot on this podcast about um, authors, writers, showmakers making promises. Because in the first scene he goes to look for his sister, I'm assuming oh this is going to be about Andor looking for his sister. I didn't watch the trailer. It's going to be about Andor looking for his sister. He then spends no time apart from that first episode looking for his sister like, yeah. for the first five minutes. Yeah. Okay. I can understand that. And so I spend the next three episodes thinking, oh, when are we going to get back to looking for his sister? When, we gonna, when is this heat going to die down? And we go back to looking for his sister. It never does. And I'm just death disappointed. Like, mm-hmm. So we're not going to get that. It's not going to be about that. I did. I agree with that. Yeah. But I think there was certainly enough in there to keep me entertained and I think the the problem we have with so much media nowadays yeah. is they can't leave it with one and done they have to be like ah we've got them addicted for one season let's wring it out of them let's get yeah. as much money out of them as we can that subscription keep, keep money. The subscription money we'll keep them addicted they'll yeah. keep paying money we keep them going as long as we can to get yeah. more money from them. And I think, unfortunately, that is one of the things we get nowadays. We yeah. will never get a complete story. Nope. Because if you can pro- provide a complete story... They don't need to pay you anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that is one of the conflicts we are stuck with. Yeah. Or you get invested in a series and they cancel it. Um, as, as good as it might have been. But... Um, yeah, I think this is one of the series I'm going to stick with because it had enough intrigue, good characters and good moments and it wasn't ridiculous. Like, uh, it didn't... I understood at the start, this is like his build-up to being a badass rebel soldier. Whereas with something like Boba Fett, you have a character who is established badass and... Because you can play opposite direction. Goes the, yeah, opposite. I get that. Yeah. I think if we'd... I know you didn't love it, but I think if we'd had a number of Star Wars shows written in the same vein of this, we could have had some so much better. We could have had a much better Bob Fett. Obi-Wan I found mixed, but I enjoyed yeah. it for the most part, but I still think we could have had a better one. Mandalorian is good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I think. But yeah, there are a number of Disney shows, like Marvel shows, Star Wars shows that could have been so much better. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And Andor is one of them, I'm afraid, in my opinion. I don't think so. I think Andor... We could keep arguing all night. No, but, no, but that's the thing. I think out of the Star Wars shows, I think Mandalorian and Andor are the best too. Obi-Wan, I enjoyed, but wasn't the best. And Boba Fett, the less about that, the better. Yeah, I agree. With, I, I agree with your opinion on Boba Fett. I agree with your opinion on Mandalorian. I agree with your opinion on Kenobi. I would put Andor with Kenobi. I think Andor 
nudges out, can I be, in my opinion? No, I would put them at the same... Uh, in fact, I'd put them at the same levels as to being generous to Andor, in my opinion. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a lot of Andor, but there's just... Uh, just writing inconsistencies and episodes of lack of content. I've wasted hours watching episodes that nothing really happened, which I didn't think's fair. It was literally to watch me watch it like, oh, you're making me watch this so you can save bits for the next season to make me keep paying Disney Plus. Yeah. And that like, frustrates like I, like me. Said, but like I said, that, that makes so it a bad much. show in my book. But I think there are so many shows that do that now. Yeah, and I barely watch them. And I watched this one and I regretted it. I think this is much better than some of the other shows I've seen. Anyway. We, we <laughs> but like can, I say, like, we can argue all night and we don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, other shows that I've enjoyed. Other shows that I've enjoyed. Um, Jack Reacher, season three. No, sorry, Jack Ryan, season three. <laughs> but I finally used to say Jack Reacher because I did watch that last year yeah. and that was and really that was good, really actually. Good. That was really good. That was Way better really than the Tom Cruise movies. This guy actually had the build for seeking so height of the Jack Reacher. Which is exactly what my... Um, Nan said because she read the books and then she, she said the books I've read some of the books my dad books. loves the books my and, nan loves the books yeah and she watched the films and she's like Tom Cruise is no way like the, the character yeah. and then I showed her the trailer for this she's like that's, he's better that's the guy that's the guy and then I, I watched it and it was like I never read the book I've never read the novels but I was like this is a good character if you want to borrow the novels I can ask my dad dense. he's fucking huge isn't he and I love the bit where uh, Roscoe's saying to is it Finley like and you put him in jail yeah. <laughs> he's and like he's like he just he's like they've just put him in the plastic cuffs they're like why did you put that he's like, oh he can't fit in the normal cuffs and he's just like he just breaks out he just like, breaks out and they're like oh yeah. you guys recycle <laughs> Yeah. Or when they forget to get a bottle opener, so he just opens the beer bottle with his biceps. Mm. <laughs> well, one thing I never understand about the Jack Reacher series is why people bother to threaten him. Yeah. But Jack Reacher and the Jack Ryan, which has John Krasinski in, uh, was oh, yes. only came out like mid December. Oh. So quite late in the year, but again, was freaking fantastic. He's really good as that character as well. Um, I recommend. I didn't get around to watching the, the boys season three. Oh, <laughs> freaking amazing! I for, that's the thing. It's, I'm thinking about it, like there's so many books or shows or films or everything that came out. And you're like, oh wait, that came out in 2020. Boys season three, amazing. I didn't get around to watching the Sandman either. Sandman, really good. Like, yeah. Again, until you just mentioned it right now. Got <laughs> that game out. Yeah, this is um, what's on my to watch list. Uh, uh, the Cyberpunk series. I want to watch that. Yeah. Uh, Netrunners, that was amazing. Um, Wednesday? Did you watch Wednesday? No, I watched it. I saw all the like memes, memes and everything about it, and I, I, I'm I just, tempted. I I'm tempted. Yeah, no, Cyberpunk um, was amazing. I think even like thinking back to films, I'm like, I don't think I see it. It's all non many of my films. Uh, Wakanda Forever Didn't was great. That is well worth it. I do watch. want to give that a try, but it wasn't. Uh, was that three hours long? Mm, like two hours. Oh, okay. It's not too bad. Well worth a watch. I really enjoyed it. Um, the sequel to Glass Onion. Oh, I've heard uh, this, some the sequel mixed to Knives Out. An enjoyable film. There was a plot twist that I think if it had come later in the film would have been much more effective. I think the first one was a little bit better, but it was still it was, it was an enjoyable enough film. Uh, Avatar 2. 
I saw that. Yeah, I didn't see that. I work in a cinema, so having that film on late at night, <laughs> waiting for that yeah. fucking film to finish is so frustrating. Completely put me off. Um, I've heard people say it's sort of, it's first of all, it sets up for another sequel. Yeah. Yeah, again, similar to what so many series do now, nowadays. It sets up to another sequel. It was an alright film. Did we need to wait 13 years for it? <laughs> no. Did we really need another sequel? No. no I think Have it... we all stopped caring and even forgotten about Avatar? Yes. I mean, I love the first Avatar film. Yeah, I It was quite really good. Did it need a sequel? I don't actually know. I know it. lots of I people who hated actually... the first Avatar film. No, the first Avatar film was great. I quite liked it. I don't actually think it ever needed a sequel. I think it could have been a perfect standalone film. It didn't need anything else after that. Most recent film, it was alright. There was some time wasty bits. There were some really good bits. I don't know anything about the film, but let me guess. The humans come back. They haven't learned their lesson. They come back and try to terraform or mine or whatever they were doing to begin with. No, oh, you're kind of close. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Of course I am. What a surprise. I've no nothing about this film. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was moderately enjoyable for the most part. Was it worth the 13-year wait? Yeah. Will I probably watch the next one? Probably. But, um, yeah, it was so-so. Uh, final um, games? I mean, out of games that actually came out in 2022, I've played three. <laughs> I've finished two. I played some <laughs> other games. Um, Did not- you try Pokemon Scarlet and Violet? No. I think you will like it. I think it's a massive step up. From um, Sword and Shield. There is a reason I haven't got round to those, is because I never finished the Diamond and Pearl remake, and I never got round to finishing Legend Arceus. I didn't really finish that either. No. Um, I really enjoyed Legend Arceus. Yes, I thought it was a massive, fantastic breath of fresh air. I hope they make more Pokemon Legends series. But, um, again, it was partly with like the new job and stuff, and it's like... I. Don't have nearly enough, enough time. time. Welcome to full-time employment, Henry. Yeah. Um, now you know why I never get around to watching all those animes you kept telling Henry to watch. They're literally 20 minutes. You can... Of a hundred episodes. Some of them are the ones the one you recommended to me. And the other <laughs> you, you got up there. Yes, I suppose. Um, but yeah, the two games I did finish were Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok. And... Both. Fucking amazing. <laughs> um, oh, I have some horizons, a horizon controversy for you. I had a conversation with some of our friends at work the other day, Henry, mm-hmm. and we were saying, <laughs> the topic of the conversation was, why do some people love Horizon so much? <laughs> and I said, oh, good job, Henry isn't here. Because it's a great game. <laughs> they, well, they, they, there's nothing wrong with the gameplay. The gameplay is fantastic. The graphics are fantastic. The world building is fantastic. What we were saying is the main story. <gasps> Take that back. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to I remember when we talked about it on the podcast I said discovering all the secrets was fantastic and great fun but A there's a little bit too much dungeon diving to find the secret and B after the outside of the uncovering the secrets it's not very strong fuck you check it back <laughs> <laughs> no no Henry please ah, ah. I think Horizon I I think with the 
I love both games. I think yes. the second one takes the graphical and gameplay improvements so much more. Mm-hmm. I do think I slightly preferred the story of the first one because yeah. the way they built up the second one was, was oh you're going to the forbidden lands where there's the real cutthroat killer tribes and then it doesn't appear to be quite as dark as they implied yeah there were some amazing plot twists like there were literally moments like have you ever played a game where you're like oh my god or holy shit I can't believe that just happened yeah yeah there were still moments like that. I do really want to play it. I do really want to play There were still it. moments in that game was like, oh, fuck, that's awesome. Yeah, the graphical improvements, the gameplay improvements were phenomenal. Um, it is still, it will still remain to this day one of my favourite games. But um, mm-hmm. I actually think in 2022, I actually think I slightly preferred um, God of War Ragnarok. I can Again, imagine why. Because... That story is phenomenal. It rounded off that the story, um, the Ragnarok duo, I guess, because it was only two games, but it finished that off spectacularly. Um, it was simply amazing. Yeah, I I loved Pokemon Arceus. Or the what Arceus. I've played so far. So far, so far, so far. How so far? far? Oh no, I, won't I am ask. really not that far. In. It's just I have not just. I just haven't had time to put the effort into it. I've enjoyed what I've played, but mm-hmm. it's just not one of those... It's not like something, oh, I can't put this down. I'm like, I'm enjoying this. I'll play it for a bit. And it's like, literally, I'll come back to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm enjoying this. I'm playing it. And I'm never like, fuck, I can't put this down. It's just like... It's yeah, I get that. I get that. It's one of those more exploration-heavy games. Yeah, it's not like... You need um, to want to go and explore. Whereas it's not, it's not one of those games that like draws you in. That's the, the thing with like... Horizon and God of War is like I can't put this down because I need to know how this story finishes. Mm. Whereas Arceus is like it's not really got much of a story it, at all. It has a story, but it doesn't. It's not Very like loosely. It's a, it's a Nintendo game. Yeah. Nintendo games aren't they draw you in and suck you in. It's like they're fun, they're enjoyable, they have a reasonable story most of the time, but um, they can't keep you in like a big triple A title like no. an Xbox game or a PlayStation or something. Or PC. Or some PC ones, yeah. I didn't play much video games last year because I was focusing on reading, if I'm honest. Yeah, and the fact that your PlayStation is broken as well. And that is a big factor, actually. Yeah. And when I go on um, Steam, I do just prefer to download a new Skyrim mod. Yeah. Yeah. Any other highlights for you from... 2022? 2022. What? Uh, well, that's a quick year. Um, it can be life, books, life games. I'm proud to say that actually it's been the most social year of my life so far. And this year, so far, so is shaping up to be even more sociable. And it feels weird. I wouldn't say I couldn't call myself popular, but having this many friends who all want to do things with me, I'm very lucky and I'm very grateful. I would like yeah. to go to sleep. Though. A little hint, you big. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a dick. I'm enjoying the whole podcast. I'd say a little hint to some of the books you've enjoyed. You've begun getting into a bit of D and D. Yes, yes, actually, I have. I'm loving it. By the way, I think my DM hates me. 
My character. Is that, is that your own fault? It is. That's because my character is an. Let me get this right here. An autistic socialist cowboy superhero goblin in a mech suit. So kind of asshole. Oh, an absolute asshole. <laughs> Fact, it's not completely decided to be canon yet, but it's possible that he it's murdered. A mega arsehole. It's a mega mecha arsehole. Hey. <laughs> it's possible that he murdered another character's fiance on their wedding day. Hmm. We haven't decided that's canon yet, <laughs> but it was. I'm saying it was accidental. Mm-hmm. Still murder. Any other interesting highlights? Highlights from last year. That um, cognac festival we went to, that was a good highlight. Had a lot to drink. Yeah. <laughs> My taste buds were kind of like fried. fried. <laughs> and it was very enjoyable. What about you, Henry? What are your highlights? Um, so, if it hasn't become evident, as some slight hints from previous podcasts and this podcast. I've begun to work a lot closer to the whiskey industry. Of course. Which has been a little aim I've been aspiring to for the past few years. When did you start again? In your current place of employment? Earlier last year. Part of my aim has been, as you can tell, a big passion of mine is whiskey. Yeah. So, um, hence part of the reason we set up this podcast. Um, My area of employment and what I do is personal. So I will keep (laughs) that to myself. He's an MI6. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I've begun working closer to the whiskey industry, and hence why I'm sort of delving more into this exploration of whiskey, flavour, history, and everything. Hence why we do like that. That's why over over the podcast episodes, you'll see me make comments about his trained, well-defined palate. Yes, which is ever-developing, as is part of my role. But, yeah, um, yeah, part of the reason why I kind of... Chucking this whiskey trivia is both a way for me to learn about whiskey and to share it with you, and why I kind of try to over-analyse stuff as much as people find it a bit pretentious and silly, but it's... I don't. I've never made fun of you for it. No, but it's it's part of... In person. Yeah. (laughs) But it's part of what I love about whiskey is the analysing the characteristic and flavour of different whiskies and delving into the history and the facts behind it. Which is fascinating. Yeah, but that's been a fun part of last year is that I'm much more intertwined into this thing I enjoy. Um, yeah, had the chance to enjoy some good shows and books and stuff. And, and you've been such a happier person since you've been working close to this industry. Yeah. You've really found your feet and you found the field where you belong. Yeah, I've been much more enjoying it. It's nice to have a more stable and secure career in a way yes um, yes because yeah I was juggling a lot of part time work before this enjoying some good games like I mentioned um, previously and yeah it was it worked out as a very 20 I don't mean to jinx it but 2022 was quite positive but uh, hopefully uh, touch wood but yeah hopefully uh, 2023 will be uh a good good year nonetheless but uh, yes we'll finish up our last little bit of a dram here and we will toast to the end of this episode toast to the new year and we will see you guys on the next episode happy new year Henry happy new year cheers Tom cheers Henry cheers Henry